Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our site, we give them away. So enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. Starting things out by going right into the phone calls. It is the show about your calls. Let's talk to Nick in South Dakota. You're on Free Talk Live, Nick. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? Great. What's on your mind tonight? Um, I just kind of overall with this whole free market thing, I wanted to ask you guys, do you really think that people are capable of having the kind of responsibility that it would take to make a free market work? Well, of course they're capable. Are you capable? Well, I, I'd like to think that I am, but I just, you know, when you just drive around and you watch people interact and stuff like that, it just, it seems to me that I just wonder how some people even get up in the morning and tie their shoes and go about their day. Well, they seem, to, they seem to manage that, and it's and, and if you ask me, it seems that the, the free marketplace would actually help engender and promote responsibility, simply because you're no longer shielded from the consequences of your actions in the, the way that governments is so effective at doing, at taking, uh, at taking consequences and shifting them to people that don't deserve them um, and, and moving them off of, uh, off of you, Nick. Yeah, I guess I have one example. Is like today I'm watching the news, and you know the uh, whoever former players of the NFL are now saying that the league should be taking care of the health care needs of their former players and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just and they're testifying to Congress to force the NFL to do this. And I'm just sitting here oh, thinking, boy. a bottom line NFL player is still making a lot more than I am. Three hundred thousand a year. Yeah, but you know yeah, something. It, I, that's I've, the kicker. I've heard this. Who knows? At least you know. But my goal, my I guess, my whole point with bringing that up is just saying. You know, these guys, if, you just, if they could have a half ounce of responsibility with that money, they shouldn't need the NFL to take care of them anymore after they're done, after even one or two years. Well, that's true. Uh, I, I've heard this before, and I've actually followed it fairly closely for a while. And a lot of the guys who were asking for this are guys who didn't get paid that much at the time. The guys who played in the 60s and 70s didn't make that much money and then just had injuries and, and medical problems well beyond uh, what they ever imagined, and the league has a lot of money set aside for this. This isn't uh, they're not asking the league for something they don't have. So um, I think there are some some people uh, who used to play who could probably be taken care of, but it should be done on a voluntary basis. And obviously the government shouldn't do it. It should be done by the league because the league right. has the players' to union that. should. Um, if if the players' union wants this badly enough, they strike and they get it. Right. Which I don't have any problem with strikes, um, but. You know, it shouldn't be something that's enforced by the government. Well, let's, okay, that's fine to address that one issue, but let's look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is, and I think what he's pointing out with the NFL situation is sort of a uh, microcosm of what we're talking about on a larger scale, and Mm -hmm. that is that government, one of the things government does well is it comes in and abdicates responsibility. It says, okay, you don't have to worry about your medical care. We'll take care of you after a certain age. Or, okay, you don't have to worry about uh, your, where to send your kids to school. We'll make all those decisions for you. And so if we get on to that slope, which we are on today, then inevitably that uh, that helps people, or doesn't help people, but what it does is it gets them into the mindset of, well, government will just take care of this. And then they inevitably will ask government to take care of more and more things for them. So instead of having to choose a preschool in some states now, government is uh, is mandating preschool. I mean, it, it just goes on and on until the point where government is controlling every 
potential decision, including you know what you put in your mouth to yep. eat in the morning. That'd I mean, that's go- where this is going. If we don't stop it now and get back to individual responsibility, as scary as that may seem to you, Nick, then uh, that then that's the that's the inevitable direction we're going to uh, to end up. I think the government oh, no, let makes, me... it, makes it worse for people. When I um, when I think about it, you know, there's people out there, Nick, that believe the Social Security is going to. Uh, take care of them in their old age. Uh, they're not very smart. They're not paying attention to the news. They obviously don't know what's going on, but they think, well, you know, worse comes to worse, I'll have Social Security. And Social Security isn't enough to take care of you. And to anybody who thinks it is, is a fool. But Social Security has made it so people believe that they are going to be taken care of in their old age, when in fact it's not going to do that. Mm. So if there Which wasn't encourages Social Security, irresponsibility right. in that they can just say to themselves, well, it doesn't matter if this stock speculation fails, the government will take care of me in the future. And it, it encourages people to be sloppy and, and slipshod with their finances and with other decisions in their life, like, uh, like how government uh, universal health care encourages them to just be sloppy with their health. But you, uh, you were trying to get something in there, Nick. Go ahead. Um, I, I guess I wanted to be clear that I'm in your guys' camp. You know, I want the free market mm-hmm. and everything. But, you know, just kind of observing people and talking. And I've heard, I sort of, uh, rather than preaching to people, tried to take the approach where I just ask them questions. Sure, that's and lead them down do the Yeah, and then lead them down the freedom road, like make, try to get them to bring the, you know, come to the same conclusion. And just, just so frustrating to me, some people's responses, I just... Well, good. Yeah, you know, yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from, oh, yeah. but you always have to remember. Remember where these people have emerged from. They've emerged from, 90% of them have emerged from government schools. They've been indoctrinated into the system to believe in all these things, to believe that the government must take care of these things. It goes back to what we talked about on Friday night with the sort of uh, infantilization of young people in America, keeping them ch- as childlike as they possibly can for as long as possible. Think about the long-term damage that does, where we could have young, responsible young adults in their teenage years outworking, out-creating products and services in the marketplace on a voluntary basis, um, educating themselves, pursuing the the path of education that they want to pursue. We could have all those things. We could have millionaires by age 18 all over the place, but unfortunately, all of that talent and all of that potential is squandered by the government system, and you just sort of take that concept and just spread it all out throughout someone's entire life. And really, the government completely abdicates people's responsibility. And that's a major, I think it's majorly destructive to those individuals' mentality. Is it something that we can undo? I think so. Um, I think that's something we should definitely head towards. Is it kind of depressing when you look at it? Heck yeah, it's depressing. I don't blame you for feeling that way. And I can even listen to other talk shows, and even the financial one will say, you're not the government, you can't spend more than you make. You know, it's just a big joke. Other talk shows are like, you know, yeah, and everybody knows that it's a big issue, yet everybody's, let's throw more money at it. Let's, you know, let's make this bigger. Let's throw in another policy or procedure, and it just... It's insanity. <laughs> it's not working, you know. I mean, like me, you know, I'm not going to ever vote for another Republican or Democrat, except for, like, Ron Paul, because mm-hmm. I understand where he's coming from. You know, but it's just like, because these guys, it just goes back and forth. Whatever one says, the other guy on the other side of the aisle is going to be against it. And it's as simple as that. It's just... You know what I mean? No one thinks about anything. It's just so frustrating to me. No, nope, they sure don't. And that's why, uh, that's what some people have said. I was watching some clips about Ron Paul the other night, and Bill Maher, for instance, had said that, you know, the thing that's neat about Ron Paul is he encourages people to think. You know, he's, he's, that's why he's dangerous. He's putting mm-hmm. ideas out there that uh, that encourage people to mold them over on their own yeah. and and realize and hopefully come to the conclusion that something's seriously wrong with this country and that something is the government. The best part mm-hmm. about Ron Paul is that he's really a paradigm buster. 
no matter who he debates with, whether it's Republicans or Democrats, he's just going to flip the whole table right up on, on them because uh, he, he's got an answer for everything. He's so well-versed in policy and, and monetary uh, issues and everything that uh, I don't see how anybody will out-debate him, even though he's not a, a debater per se. You know, what eventually it might come to, and Nick, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. What it might come to eventually is simply a matter of the responsible people moving out from the places that they live and coming to uh, New Hampshire, perhaps as part of the Free State Project, and then leaving all the irresponsible people to all their welfare systems. What's going to happen when all the responsible, productive people decide they want to leave the states where they're being oppressed by taxation and regulation and all the other government rules that they have to live by? Right. How's the welfare system going to get funded without the productive members of society? What will they do then? And one of the whole points of states' rights is competition between states so that each state can have a competing system that attracts the best and the brightest. And if every state is the same, which they're trying to make now... In, in this move towards totalitarianism and centralization, you're going to have the same uh, bunch of slugs in every state that don't, don't want to work and want government checks and don't want to produce anything. So I don't see the point of that. So having the Free State Project is so valuable because once we get enough people here and we start really showing what freedom can do again so people can remember, I think it will spread like wildfire through the rest of the United States. I think you're right about that, and I like the vision. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airways, but not a destructive wildfire, a, a wonderful, uh, reconstructive sort of version of a wildfire. Well, things have to collapse before you can rebuild them, and unfortunately there are going to be... Do you think so? You think that's the case? We're going to have some to experience cases, a total collapse? In some cases, we'll have to, because it's the only way we'll wake people up. I don't know. I, maybe, maybe the collapse can happen somewhere else, and we'll secede before it happens here. I don't know. 800-259-9231. It's hard to predict... Where this is all going to go, but I know that good things are going to come from liberty loving individuals getting together all in the same place. That's what's happening here. You can take control, bring up whatever's on your mind. Brandon coming up, your calls as well about whatever's on, well, whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features, totally free, live streams included. Broadband version of the show and a dial-up version as well. You enjoy those on us at freetalklive.com. That again, freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org as we go to the phones and talk to Brandon in California. You're on Free Talk Live, Brandon. Hey, it's good to talk to you guys again. What's on your mind? Hey. Um, I want, just finished my first year teaching at a private school after uh, teaching in public schools for three years. All right. Give us and, the lowdown. Uh, and, and, yeah, in, in an effort to reflect, I put together a list trying to be as unbiased as possible of the negatives and positives Fair of enough. teaching at a private school. If you, wanna, if you would like me to, I can go over them really quick. I would like that a lot. I would sure. like to hear that list. Great. I'll start with the negatives, you know. Um, in the private school, uh, there was a lot more expected from me as far as I had to write my own tests, give more homework. We substitute other teachers' classes. We actually don't have substitutes come in, so they have the teachers take their off period to substitute. Hmm. So it's more challenging. Yeah, so it's definitely, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. No, it actually means it's more rewarding at the end of the day. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, There's uh, smaller facilities. 
some of this is just relative to me. Some of them, uh, I think, are reflective of private schools in general. Mm-hmm. We definitely have smaller rooms that we have to deal with. Uh, the medical plan is I'm covered completely, but I have to pay 250 bucks a month to cover for my kid to be covered, whereas under public school is only like 10 bucks a month. So I, I can see how that is um, a negative for you as a teacher. Yeah. But um, speaking as someone who has to pay the taxes that pays teachers, it kind of irks me that I have to pay for my insurance. Um, you know, wherever I, my wife has to pay for her insurance, her employer tries to cover some of it and all that other stuff. And those of us in the real world that don't work for government um, have to pay for our insurance when the teachers are upset if they have to pay any kind of yeah. copay. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's just for me personally. <laughs> yes, I understand, but, um, but you know, there's, there's some uh, teachers have been turned into a bit of a golden cow out there, and you can't say anything about what they get paid. Or, I mean, God forbid, you say, well, they only work nine months out of the year, and they get uh, all kinds of benefits that I don't get, and they right, get fifty they grand like, a year. They act like they're the most important job in America. Yeah. You must exactly. be a conservative. I mean, you know, are you telling me that I couldn't walk in and teach um, kindergarten through sixth grade, that I don't have enough knowledge? You're not so? certified. Well, look, listen to the, I mean, we've, we've just started on his list, and already, I mean, a tremendous difference between a private school teacher and a government school mm-hmm. teacher is that the government school teachers get to mail it in as far as the testing is concerned. They get to open up the teacher's book. Uh, put it on a Xerox and copy out the test, and they don't even have to think about it, whereas you have to actually create the test from scratch? Yeah, well, I, uh, for me, I teach music, so I, I definitely am creating my own curriculum. You know? yeah. I mean, there are certain state standards they want us to abide by, but there's no you know, state curriculum like they have in public schools where you're going to teach this on this day, and you're going to give this test on this day, and you mm-hmm. basically become a robot of the, of the government. All right, so, so continue uh, yeah. negatives of private school. Negatives would be some of the some of the kids think they're royalty and they act like it, you know. Although you have that in both public and private school, I yeah. think it, I see a little more nudiness, I guess, in the private school than I did public school. There, obviously, we have a smaller music program because it's less kids. Uh, for me personally, it's a longer commute, but that's no big deal. And uh, also, we're required to attend school events at night, like the at the public school, they didn't really require us to attend graduation or homecoming games or things like that. But this is part of our job description. You have to be there for the awards tonight. You have to be for there for everything. So gotcha. Even if you that, don't that, care, you should pretend like you do. Exactly. So that's that's my negative list. Okay. That was pretty short. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty short. And my not terribly list, negative. <laughs> not, not terribly negative. The positive and the first thing that came to mind was the uh, janitorial services, uh, the positive, because... In my public school, we had over a thousand kids in the school. We had one custodian that I think worked at multiple schools. We were lucky to get our room swept once every couple of months and our chalkboard, you know, wiped off. Whereas at the school I am now, we have just over 300 kids. We have three custodians on staff and every day after school, the bathrooms are cleaned, the, the wow. floors are vacuumed, the, the, Chairs are put in order. So instead uh, of spending uh, instead of spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on administrators and bureaucrats in the office, your school, the private school, is spending some of that money on cleaning. That was something I yeah. really noticed at my private school that I went to was they didn't have much for administrators. As far as uh, the high school went, there was a uh, I believe a vice principal that was in charge of the high school and the junior high, mm-hmm. and uh, two secretaries, and that was the administrative staff, all of it. 
We used to, I used to go to a parochial school in Connecticut when I was a kid, and we, uh, we had this really awesome uh, custodian named Mr. Picotta, and he had these big wadded keys on his belt, and he used to roll his own cigarettes, <laughs> <laughs> and the place was spotless. Awesome. Very good. So that that's it's, that's interesting to me that that actually stuck out as the most noticeable positive difference, like just the yeah, cleanliness because, factor. Yeah, in my old school, our phone broke down in the class. I asked in writing four different times, and the guy even came in the class and to get a new phone. And for the entire school year, it was never replaced, never fixed. Wow. Whereas this year, uh, the door, the lock on our door broke. I told the guy, our head custodian, Ricardo, said. Our lock is broken, you know, in an hour it was fixed. Wow. That's so tremendous. Just, yeah, that was the biggest thing. And, you know, I think the uh, cleanliness thing is actually a pretty important issue because you're yeah. dealing with, you know, little kids all day or young people, whatever. They're not exactly the cleanest of creatures. And no. so it's No, they're used to mom taking care of them. Right. Yeah, and they spit and barf all over the place and, and they're drooling all the time. <laughs> Even at 12. Yeah. Every, uh, every once in a while they wet themselves. And yeah, I think exactly. it's probably a good thing to have them in a, as clean an environment as possible. Anyway, go on with yeah. your list, sir. Let's see. Uh, for us, they serve pizza at all the staff meetings. Yeah. That's just us personally. Nice perk. Um, overall, the, the teacher morale is better because we have closer relationships with the other teachers. Every day I'm meeting with other teachers and talking to them about how the day went. We have a retreat at the beginning of the year to pep up the teachers, get them ready for the school year. We have holiday parties, the end-of-the-year parties. It's very much more of a, uh, you know, teacher's getting to know each other, getting along a lot better, whereas it's like in the public school, you're just fighting to survive. Yeah, they don't care the about pep in the public requirements. No. They throw all these requirements on you, extra classes, credential requirements, and everybody's just worn out by the end of the day and having to deal with kids that they can't get rid of. Mm. <laughs> you know, um, when I think about it, uh, the, the my rearing from uh, the standpoint of my, my parents, my mother um, especially, if if somebody could have been considers uh, you know looking back and make um and consider something a mistake allowing me to go to public school and that's what I wanted to do when I was uh right. you know, going from eighth to ninth grade that's and my dad of course didn't want to um, continue paying they were separated and that kind of thing so my mother relented and allowed me to go to public school mm. and uh, that really was and, and remember remember I'm a convicted murderer and I went to prison right. I'm telling you that I think that's the most pivotal moment in my life. You think you might not have ended up in uh, in prison had you not gone to government school? I'm, I'm quite certain of it. Brandon, if you've got more on your list, we'd love to hear it. Hang on. Wow. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. The differences from a someone who was a public school, government school teacher, and who for the last year has been a private school teacher. What are some of the things that he noticed? Some significant differences. We'll explore more on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Wade. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, we give them away, and those do include the wiki. Over 1,350 pages created by listeners just like you. You can get on it by going to wiki.freetalklive.com. It's free, of course. That's wiki.freetalklive.com. Pop quiz. What do Washington politics and libertarianism have in common? Answer very little. But the Prometheus Institute, readpi.com, is looking to change all that. 
by implementing practical, innovative solutions to today's most pressing policy issues. Visit readpi.com today. That's readpi.com. All right, so we go back to Brandon in California. Brandon, who spent three years teaching at the government school system out there. It was, were all three years there in California? Yeah. And then you just finished up your first year of teaching in a private school system, and you're sort of running down uh, the list that you actually sat down, and you came up with one of those little uh, charts where you write the positives Frozen on one cons. side and the negatives yep. on the other side. And uh, basically, some of the negatives, so-called, and, and and I don't really see them as negatives, and I don't think you do either, yeah. but of, of, of teaching at the private school is that you have to work harder. You actually have to teach, come up with mm-hmm. original curriculum for your kids and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, go ahead. Yeah, very true. And so then uh, you are now getting into some of the, what was it, the, were we on the positives of private school at this point? Yep. All right, so qu- quick recap, some of the positive things. The number one most noticeable thing was the school's cleaner. They've got more yep. janitorial staff. They clean more often. Uh, th- things are fixed when you need them fixed instead of having to wait all year for something to get done and then find out it hasn't even ever gotten done. I mean, just there's mm-hmm. there's just no bureaucracy. There's no bureaucratic holdup with uh, this sort of a situation. It's it's private, privately run. People have incentives to get their jobs done, and they do it, and I think that's great. What else do you have for us? Yep. Um, the students are held much more accountable for their grades and for their behavior. Yeah. Um, in Give fact, me an example. If a, if a student is lower than a C average, in fact, the teachers, one of our requirements is we have to post the student's current grade every week so that the parents can see it, the administrators can see exactly where the student is progressing throughout the school year. Huh. So no, uh, no, it, no half a year progress reports like they uh, uh, would do in a government school. You get it uh, every we single still, week. We still have that, but we still we do post them every week. And um, so the administration, if a student gets below a C average, then they're put on academic probation. They have to meet with the academic advisor every week. Have their wow. Uh, it, it lists exactly how many assignments have been finished, what haven't. They have to um, get it signed by their parents, and they're on probation until they bring their grades up. And they have to see them every week, and they have to attend study hall after school every day wow. in study hall. And, and if they don't do it, then uh, by the end of the year, if they don't bring their grades up, then they'll be asked They're to done. find another school. Wow, that's year, tremendous. Yeah. So literally yeah. uh, literally separating out those who are just not interested in performing from those that mm-hmm. are and, and yeah. giving them incentives, hopefully, to, you know, to get them back on track as well. Yeah. And some of them do it, but sadly, like, uh, I think about a fifth of our school is on academic probation this year. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually some of them brought it up. And there's some that I know are definitely not coming back next year. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so what really sticks out for me is the fact that you really have to make more with less resources, unlike the public school system. Uh-huh. And, and in the old days, you know, a lot of the teachers were young, uh, single women just out of college. And, of course, we didn't mm-hmm. have the inflation we have uh, uh, today back then, so their money went yeah. further. And they had the, nine, the, the three months off in the summer and all, unless they taught summer school to pick up extra money. But a lot of the teachers I knew had jobs in the summer Yeah. when I was going to school. Yeah. Do you? Uh, actually, I do. Do you? <laughs> uh, I, I teach uh, you know, lessons privately. I also do my own playing and writing and things like that with music on the side. So. Cool. So what else? Uh, and I think uh, there's also uh, issues with students. There's just as many of the little annoying issues like attitudes. There's some kids with doing drugs, things like that. But the larger issues, such as kids stealing each other's stuff and um, and gangs and things like that, is almost non-existent. Hmm. Just because there's so much um, 
supervision during lunch, uh, and and the kids really get to know each other since it's a small school. What a concept, so, supervision. Well, yeah, oh, plus, I would yeah. guess that um, that violence is just not tolerated. I mean, as far as, th- that's just not going to fly. If somebody yeah. wants to um, beat up another kid, they're going to get uh, seriously talked to, and if it happens again, I'm betting that they probably get kicked out of the school. What's the policy there? Sure. Well, it, there was actually a kid who threw food on me this year. Oh, my. And uh, she, uh, I mean, I unleashed on her, but she ended up getting suspended. And her, luckily, her mom was, really mad at her too and she apologized and wrote me an apology letter and all this stuff so it ended up working out but if she hadn't have done any of that stuff they they definitely would have um considered you know asking him not to come back <laughs> well you know so it, it sounds like she her. it sounds like she l- learned her lesson and that's kind of how the yeah. real world is you have to say you're yeah. sorry whether you mean it or not and yeah. um you, you've got to make amends when you do something wrong yep so they definitely Make the kids make amends, and if they don't, it's part of their – the administration doesn't forget it. And then when they're reviewing the students at the end of the year, they keep that in mind as to if they're going to ask them to come back. Yeah, one of the biggest um, problems I have with public school today is that they try to make all the kids the same. So if a kid is yeah. very, very advanced, they try to hold them back. It's kind of like running a race and have, having everybody run the same speed. Mm-hmm. And and I think, uh, do you find that in the private school environment that, that you let kids uh, excel as much as they can more? I, th- I think so. I mean, we definitely expect a lot more from them. Uh, our curriculum is a lot more <laughs> than what I gave at the public school. At public school, we're lucky just to learn our instruments, to play our instruments. At this school, not only do they learn how to play instruments, they learn about music from other cultures, music theory. They learn about... Um, Music wow. history, composers, all that kind of stuff. So, what about standardized testing? Stuff. Say that again. What about standardized testing? Do you? Uh, not, yeah, there's. I know the kids do like uh, the SATs and all that. Preparing. So we're a college prep school. We're not a religious school. It's strictly college prep. So they, in fact, have people on staff to walk the students through step by step on the application process, helping them with their. Uh, essays and everything to make sure that they get in the in the college because that's part of the um, reason people come to our schools. We make sure our students end up in college. Nice. Now, what happens? What happens? Now, you mentioned this sort of uh, really intense curriculum. You compared the government school, which is very very lightweight, to all of the things that are covered in just your class, and I'm sure it's the same way in some of the other uh, courses. But what happens with a with somebody that really can't keep up? Because somebody would make the argument, well, that the government schools have to be one size fits all, and they have to be the lowest common denominator. So all the the fast kids are held back while they teach to the slow kids. What happens if you do have somebody that it just isn't picking things up as uh, as quickly? the rest of the class they for the main classes like math and english they have different levels they have the at they have the you know the 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 middle of the road and the lower levels and even if like for my class if a student isn't doing well i require them to come see me for extra help after school Hmm. you know i'm in my i'm in my room for an extra half hour at the end of school for any kids who need extra help and i in fact require them to come in or else i give them a zero so, and if and they, they fail out, then they have to repeat a, uh, a different art for the next year, and they're not allowed to do music again. So you are uh, – are you paid salary? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I, part of my negotiation, I told them I was going to make this much of public school, and they said, oh, we'll pay you that much, so – Luckily, that's good because normally you hear normally you hear that private schools not only do you have to work harder as a teacher and be and be original and come up with your own curriculum in many cases, yeah. but also that they don't pay as much in in many yeah. cases. Yeah, and uh, on average that's true. But I 
I, I negotiated at least equitable to what public schools are getting, so oh. it ended up working out. All right, what else? <laughs> um, there, I got, I've got more prep time for classes. Uh, out of an eight-period day, I actually only teach four periods out huh. of an eight-period day. And then for one period, I'm required to do uh, lunch lunchtime supervision. Um, because they like for Yeah, they actually have the teacher supervised during lunch, although I ended up just playing basketball with the kids or, or cracking tests <laughs> during that Food time. fight. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I doubt that happens, Wayne. <laughs> doubt yeah. that. Yeah, we're, we're in fact required to call every parent twice per semester. And so there's a closer parent wow. uh, parent wow, that's amazing. relationship. That's and amazing. they have dinners and all that. Impressive. They actually have dinners at parents' houses so that we can get to know the parents and build the relationship there. That is tremendous. If you Do you have more? Yeah. yeah I Hold on. More. We'll bring you back. 800-259-9231. I am just very much enjoying this, learning a lot from this, because uh, fascinating. Like competition. Hey, it makes education work better. Can you believe it? It's Free Talk Live. show, you take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free. You want to help support the show, then go shopping with us at store.freetalklive.com. Lots of Free Talk Live merchandise there available to you, and I am told that some of the new products are finally arriving. And that's a good thing. They're not going out the door quite yet. I think one of the batches came in and there was a mistake, so we had to resend it, send it back and have it reproduced. Uh, but in, nonetheless, we are getting there, and uh, you will get your product soon if you've been waiting, so be patient. Uh, store.freetalklive.com. Many of our products are available. Uh, there's certain there's some of them that are pre-order, some of them that are there are available, so you can go and see what is and what is not, and uh, place your order today because they're quality products, not crap. We did not cut corners on these products. They're good quality, and I think you're going to like them. Lots of different clothing items. The free Talk Live multi-gadget, uh, DVD classic archive collector sets, and more. All there. Store.freetalklive.com. Let's go back to Brandon in California. Running down his list of positives versus negatives of working in a government school versus a private school. And so far, to me, it sounds like as far as education is concerned, we've sort of always known this. It's just nice to have you confirm it, is that uh, you know private school teachers, they just care more. They work harder for about the same amount of money, and uh, and they're, they're just more connected to their students and the parents, and they're more satisfied. Would you say you were more satisfied with your first year in uh, private school than the three in, in government school? By far. I mean, my first couple of years teaching in private school, I had indigestion almost on a daily basis. You mean public? I mean, you mean government school? Yeah, in, in public school, yeah, because the, the kids were unpredictable. I had gigantic classes. In fact, that's one of my other things. Um, and the parents were nasty and manipulative, manipulative, and my principal didn't back me up, and it was just a bad situation. So compared to that, <laughs> even if I was making less money, the, the less stress that I have to deal with at the new gig makes a huge, huge difference. Great. Um, so what else did you want to share with us? You were going down a list of positive, or excuse me, uh, what was it? Yeah. Negative? Po- yes, positive, positive things about private school. Definitely. There's uh, more organization and follow-through with just almost everything, like discipline. Um, if I uh, they want us to deal with the kids in class, but if they're just out of control, I can just send them to the office. I do a write-up slip, and then the, the dean takes care of them. Um, financially, 
if I want anything financially, I have to do a little write-up on it. I have to give it to my department chair, who then has to sign off on it, and then she gives it to the assistant headmaster, who then has to sign off on it, and then I can go to the accountant who takes care of all the financial issues. And uh, whereas my, at public school, if, I, if an instrument broke down, I just told the repair guy to come to take it. Um, he knew the lady who was the head of the district, and she just paid for it without really any accountability. And so I don't know, even if uh, he was charging. Right, that's not their money. <laughs> he, could have, he, he could have easily gotten away with charging the school a lot more than he was, he was uh, fixing. So Figures. Who knows, yeah. That's how and government works. At, yeah, and even attendance. I mean, I barely took attendance, and, and nothing happened when I was in the public school. But now it's like you have to check attendance every day at the beginning of the day or else they will – you know, if you if you mess up, they will let you know. <laughs> the administration will find out, and they will let you know. Excellent. And yeah, the uh, like I said, there's smaller class sizes. Um, my largest class this year was 18 students, and my smallest one was five students. So uh, definitely, I'm able to work with students more on an individual basis. Um, for me personally, uh, the parents are required to provide the instruments for the students. I don't have to worry about school instruments because it is a private school. We can, you know, they don't have a right to an instrument, so they actually have to uh, get one. Although we do have a few backups for those kids with financial difficulties and things like that. Are you saying uh, a public school, um, a public school provides students with instruments? Yeah, you didn't know that. Well, well, yeah. I, no, yeah, I didn't. No. The only oh, yeah. time I took a music class with an instrument, I was in a private school, and um, we had to, you know, we had to buy it from a a vendor nope oh, they they have school instruments and you check them out for the year mm. so and a lot of them they look like they've been through a lot of student hands mm. <laughs> those things are expensive um, yeah they are right which means since and, the kid owns the instrument he is more likely to uh take a little bit better care of it sure than much the, better much than better the, than the class version of it yeah his parents will tan his hide if he doesn't yep damn right yep yeah there's also more as far as administration support, even though it's not perfect, um, usually if I have a parent mouth off of me or something, I'll just report it to my department chair, and then she'll just uh, let the assistant headmaster take care of it. Usually I'm not the one who has to confront and, and deal with out-of-control parents. They, they usually take, take that over. So that's a, another huge thing off my back. It's, I'll bet it's uh, less likely to happen, too, simply because they're happy that their kid's in a preparatory school. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, how Definitely much happier. I was going to say, how do you resolve the fact that in private schools, you know, you're really you're really competing to get these students, and if certain 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 students are not uh, behaving properly or doing well, and you have to let them go, I know that a lot of private schools are under financial pressure. So, what do you yeah, do about that? You do have a little. I've noticed a little bit of that. There are certain students in there that, uh, if I were the headmaster, I would have gotten rid of them a little bit earlier, and mm-hmm. then he actually did. So you do see you do see a little of that, although um, I think it's it's more those are for the borderline kids. If they're borderline and their parents are paying full tuition and contributing to the school, they're more likely to be lenient with the kid. Whereas um, if they are just completely out of control and just failing and not right, doing well, you anything, know, if, they're, if from an economic standpoint, I see where you're coming from, Wayne. Like, okay, yeah. we don't want to get rid of the uh, the people that are paying for schools, but at the same time, you also understand that if you leave the lousy kids in there and they're not getting any better, and you don't remove them, then other parents may say, well, I can't, my kid can't learn in this environment. I'm pulling my kid out. So you don't want to lose mm-hmm. the, the good kids exactly. um, t- because you're keeping one of the bad ones in, so you get rid of them. There you go. And word, word gets around because it's a small school. You know? There you go. Brandon, any other uh, things you wanted to share with us? Yeah. 
our retirement plan is actually better. Really? I think. Really? Because hmm. it's not so much money-wise, but if you're a public school teacher, you donate to the POT, that is the California Teacher Retirement System. Mm-hmm. And if you stay in for a certain amount of time, if you get, then you get a certain amount back. Whereas at my school that I'm at now, if you're there for more than two years, then they match 10% of your salary and put it into a private retirement account that you can access at any time. And the bureaucrats so can't loot it. Yeah, exactly. So Pretty it's my sweet. Money. Yeah, there's actually a financial aid department at our school that solicits funds from parents, from companies, and so forth, because we have a large population of students that come in from the inner city. Mm-hmm. Uh, from that, So we actually have a mix of celebrity kids and and poor kids in the same school, which is, you know, people talk about diversity in schools, and we still have that because... We're able to offer financial aid to hard Wow, that's great. So, yeah, so a lot of the uh, government school advocates always claim that, well, private schools will exclude the poor, and you're saying yeah. that, no, that's not the case. In fact, you guys are giving out scholarships to poor kids. Yep, yeah. and we have people on salary at the school who work full-time trying to uh, fundraise for the school, fundraising for the financial aid program and all that. That is so, amazing. I also, uh, pretty crazy. I also noticed that you said hardworking poor kids because that's important yeah. because anybody from any background, if they're willing to work hard, can succeed. It's true. It's true. And all they have to do is apply, you know. And if they, if they have uh, enough, um, uh, I guess they have people backing them up and writing letters of recommendation, um, there's, you know, they take the top students of the ones that applied and offer them. They still have them pay a little bit, I think. The, the school is 17000 a year to pay for it, wow. whereas I, I'm sure these kids who are on financial aid pay probably about two or 3000 a year, which is, you know, for that much education, quite a deal. But That's they want tremendous. the students, the parents, to have some ownership in it also. I would agree with that entirely. If you're getting something completely for free... Um, you don't respect it as much. Not as much. Um, at the same time, you know, if a kid got there because they worked hard... I don't know. Full full scholarships, um, I, I think they have their advantages. It, it doesn't bother me, though, that the kids have to pay a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and that, exactly. They still have to pay property taxes on top of it all. Yeah, it's true. Uh, that's the worst part. You know, we also get a holiday bonus. No no Christmas bonuses in public school. <laughs> are there we any performance well, Now, hold on. Are there any performance bonuses? Um, the, our raises are uh, reflective on how well we taught. Like, this year I got offered... Uh, a raise for next year because I have been working hard and doing my best, and the kids have been succeeding. And See, every government schools, on an individual basis, they, you know, analyze it based on right. In government schools, the teachers believe they deserve a raise because they're teachers. Right. They have continued to draw breath and not get fired right. one yet one yeah. yet one more year. In private school, you are getting raises based on your performance, and I think that's really exactly. excellent. That's fantastic, exactly. Brandon. Uh, you've you got know, time for maybe one more point. You know, I, well, hold you on. Got, I, I wanted to pump in. Um, pop in here real quick is I was thinking it was very telling that the uh, the public school teachers union had set up a uh, retirement plan that, uh, that that favored the teachers that had been there for quite some time mm-hmm. and the ones that were new uh, didn't get the uh, didn't get the benefits from the retirement plan and that makes sense to me because it would be the union that would vote individually on it so of course the majority would go after the minority which is the new people and they would take what they had Brandon time for one quick point go sure um the school pays for all professional development and, and things like that. All my professional organizations I belong to. Wow, that's tremendous. For. Thank you, and continue on in your career, and uh, keep sharing good stories with us. We appreciate it. Hour 2 is on the way.
With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching in hour number two of the show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, so enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. Let's roll right back into the phone calls here and talk to, it is Todd in Michigan. Todd, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey guys, how you doing? Great. Good. What's on your mind? I uh, wanted to talk to you a little bit more about the uh, uh, the public and, and private school situation, sure. but I just want to go on a, a different angle here. Um, I don't know if you guys uh, have uh, know about this part of the public schools, which I'm sure you, you might have talked about on the show before when I when, when I wasn't listening, but uh, I know that there is a movement to establish what's known as charter schools. Mm-hmm. Now, charter schools, I'm sure you're aware of, are, in a sense, um, a hybrid of right. public and private schools. That's true. Um, the, um, the, the idea is that, well, since parents aren't happy with the public schools and they don't like sending their kids to these government schools, what they do is they would send the child to this charter school, which is partially run by the private sector, but the control as far as, you know, what's being taught in the, in the schools, uh, what kind of textbooks are actually handed out to the kids, what the curriculum will be, uh, is controlled by the state. Right. In many cases, they'll hire a charter school company to come in and sort of take right. over the administration of an existing government school. And it really, um, and you're right, they are still using the government mandates and the government curriculum. And, and therefore, and because government is inevitably in control when all is said and done, uh, the charter schools have sort of a variety of different results. I mean, some of them have been have done it much better than the government schools. Right. Some of them have... They're, they're uh, being a hybrid between public and private schools. They're a hybrid between... How how much the government screws them up, too. Yeah, pretty much. Right. And here's the thing. Michigan has actually been trying to be at the forefront of the charter school movement, but the problem is it's been a tremendous failure in many respects. Um, even though some of the so-called free marketeers will say that, uh, well, it's been a relative success only if the parent has actually enrolled that child in, in the charter school. But um, the problem is is that uh, the state basically dictate, it dictates basically what the schools will teach. They, um, and they have to go by not just a series of mandates, but they're also audited by the state. If the mm-hmm. school is not doing what's according to, to what the state dictates, mm-hmm. then the state could very well, uh, although not always, but could very well remove their charter. Yep, that's yeah. true. So it's really just a state. It's still a government school in disguise. They're just trying to put a new little frosting on the cake. And, Wayne, what it also allows the government to do is it allows them to say, well, we tried this charter school That's thing, right. and it's clear that private, uh, privatization just doesn't work, so we really need to go back to all government all the time. And right. so they'll use and that to blame the market. Un- right. Unfortunately, a lot of the libertarians, um, even though some of them do support vouchers and whatnot, also do support the idea of, well, some do support the idea of, of charter schools, which is actually a big mistake, because... Yep. The fact of the matter is that these, tr- these schools are clearly 
not 100% the improvement that they think they are. That's right. right. Um, and, 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 you know, the, while there are some success stories, they're, they're just success stories on the scale of government schools. They're still outpaced by far by the private school systems, even the charter school success stories. And so you're absolutely right. And those people that claim to be libertarians and support vouchers or they claim to be libertarians and support charter schools, I don't think they really understand uh, the, the oath that they have taken or the, the principle that uh, libertarianism is, is all about. And that is that you know initiation of force is just unacceptable, and if you believe that that's the case, then how could you right. possibly support those things? And, yeah. and what really scares me uh, is that a lot of the people who hear some of those libertarians saying that, oh, the charter schools are the answer, or that public vouchers are mm-hmm. the answer, they'll immediately think that's exactly what libertarianism means. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. that, oh, well, we're, we're for freedom, but only when the government is in the presence of of that freedom um, in, in that respect. That's why when we're that's here. That's actually completely false. That, that, that's that's uh, why we're here, because anything short of separating school and state is, is suboptimal. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And, and, and all these reforms that are being repackaged as libertarian solutions by some people um, are really shooting themselves in the foot. Um, You've got it, Todd. So, I'm with you, man, and yeah. uh, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Thank you, dude. 800-259-9231. He's totally right. Well, these, uh, these libertarians that are advocating these stopgap measures are really just hurting the entire pro-liberty movement. And, and you know, it may just because they don't, maybe because they don't understand. They may think it's a step in the right direction. And it's I think not. that's exactly it's, the reason why they think that. Right, right. But they're wrong. And it's not. It's not a step in the right direction. It's a distraction from the real issue. And the real issue is getting the government 100% out of government schools. Yeah. I was on a radio show in Laconia, uh, New Hampshire, just before the, uh, just before I went out to the Pork Fest on Saturday morning. And it was a show that was hosted by three guys who would have, co- you know, would have called themselves uh, liberty oriented, and they probably were, they probably would have considered themselves conservatives. And we sort of got onto the school discussion, and I, of course, came right out with the uh, the, the question of, well, why is it that nobody in New Hampshire, the live free or die state, is putting forth the concept of getting the government completely out of schools. I mean, everybody's complaining about, you know, there's a situation in Concord where uh, the the courts have mandated that the government must determine what is an adequate education and, you know, where is the funding going to come from? And everybody's sort of, everybody's once again fighting. They're fighting over the school system, over the government school system, and they're they're getting themselves bogged down by these distractions of, well, where's the funding going to come from? And all these little minutia decisions, uh, this micromanaging that the government loves to do. And and they're taking their sides, they're digging in, but nobody's digging in on the side of freedom. Nobody yeah. is digging in on the side of the marketplace. And when I threw that idea out there, it was like you could see the gears turning in these guys' heads. Great, nice guys, I like them a lot. It was like you could see the gears, huh, nobody suggested that ever. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then so one of them sort of bounced back into his sort of collectivist mentality. And I understand we are all raised, most of us, in the government school system. So we're indoctrinated with this collectivist mentality that we sort of live by. And he sort of jumped back into that for a moment and started talking about how, well, schools are better when, they're com- when, they're made, uh, when the decisions are made on a community level. And I said, well, you know, that may be the case. 
I don't think it is, but... Well, no, it is. It's true. If you give the control of the schools to the feds, then they're going to be run really shoddy. Oh, if I you see give you're con- comparing it to the feds. Well, I would say that on the community versus the feds, but I still think right, that schools is, are better when, they're, um, when the decisions are made by the people who send their students there. Absolutely. But that's where a lot of the, you know, the conservatives have just dug in their position. They've completely accepted government schools. It's just that they want to fight for local control versus federal control. That's good and everything considering the the paradigm that they live under, but let's start talking about liberty again. Let's start talking about real educational freedom and how the marketplace benefits students and benefits teachers and benefits all of us by um, having more effectively educated kids uh, turned out from whatever the, the system is in the marketplace, if we can actually have that. So, you know, I ran those ideas by those guys, and they were fairly receptive to them. Yeah, I, I heard the interview, and I I found it fascinating that these guys actually kind of considered themselves libertarians, but they really, uh, they're, they're, they're further back on the road than, than uh, some people we know. And, right. and they're, in the, they're in the right direction. I really could hear the lights going on for them, or, or, even though there was just audio. Yeah. They seemed really intrigued with, with the fact that you were trying to explode the little box their minds were in. Well, you know, and it's because there's nobody running for office or very few people running for office out there that are interested in getting rid of the system. For whatever the reason is, the small government people are just silent. I mean, they get in and they claim to be small government. They, the guys made a comment about how the Democrats are now in charge in New Hampshire for the first time ever, and you know, government's getting bigger. And I interjected. I said, "Well, the Republicans have been in charge up until this point, and government kept getting bigger." And then they sort of backed down, and they all agreed with me when I said that. So it's like all you have to do is throw the ideas into the mix. That's all you have to do is get them out there for people to listen to and uh, make it so make them so they're easy to understand which I think I, I, I did fairly well on that show, and you can listen to the archive at, at freetalklive.com. It's linked there on the front page. But let's just start talking about these things again. People aren't even talking about them. Yeah, you know, I also like the fact that you really stood your ground with them on a few things, too. Yeah, well, you, you know me. I'm not, getting, I'm not yeah. around anybody. 800-259-9231. Liberty is the answer, and compromise is just inevitably set up a, a set up for failure. And that's what vouchers are all about, too. We can touch on that here in a moment, uh, how that basically is just going to ruin existing private schools. 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll free line for you. Also a story out of Hot Springs, Arkansas, about a cop that was beating on some skinny little skateboard kids. It's sick. Coming up. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line for you. That's 800 800- 259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, we give them away, and uh, some of those features include archives, an entire year's worth of the show, front page of the website. For your downloading convenience, just go and get them for free. They're on us, freetalklive.com. We're talking about um, just education in general and how uh, private education is more uh, just, just better overall than government education, and that sort of led into a discussion of so-called conservatives and libertarians that uh, want to move in the, you know, just tippy-toe in the direction towards the free market. They want their vouchers, and they want their charter schools, and all these stopgap, lame measures. Well, when you're fighting against um, growing government, it, it seems like a good, you know, take your steps in victory as you can get them. I mean, I can't say I'm completely against but things you don't, like school, but charter you, schools and vouchers. You don't get to victory by proposing compromise. I can see you some... You propose what you want, and then you accept the compromise on the path towards what you want. That's right. If all you're coming to the table with is, oh, can we have vouchers, then, you know, you're lucky if you'll ever even get vouchers. But if you come to the table and say, we've had enough with this uh, communist redistribution of wealth, uh, let's go ahead and get rid of the system entirely. (laughs) Where is this table you're talking about? 
It's a theoretical table. Yeah, I don't think there is a table, table and I don't think you get an opportunity. What are you talking about? You don't about? get the opportunity to come to the table with anything. If you, if you are an elected representative, you can you can bring up whatever bills you want to. That's, that's your, that's well, your well, you job. Know if you come to the so-called table with what Ian's saying, you say that the, the redistribution of wealth to fund education is immoral, it does not work, it's wasteful, it's inefficient, and, and pr- promotes corruption, and that we should have schools that are all private. If you say that, and then you get to the compromises, and you say, well, we can try this, but I don't think it's going to work because it doesn't go far enough, mm-hmm. then at least you set the situation up later for going further if that fails. Yeah, but that way you can say, see, told you so. Yeah, exactly. I'm but, not sure that anyone anyone will remember that you said such a thing. Well, they keep records of these things. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so there you so go. So, and that, again, brings me back to the show that I was on where I, again, uh, they were talking about community-level involvement in the schools, which all sounded kind of well you know, communist a little bit to me. And so I called them out. I said, well, wait, are you guys in support of, uh, or something to the effect like this? I said, are you guys in support of a redistribution of wealth? Oh, no, 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 no. Well, okay, then great. So then you, you're coming in my direction then. Let's go in my direction towards the marketplace. Let the, let the marketplace handle schools. That way parents can get exactly the education that they want for their kids. That's right. And we should talk about vouchers as this sort of stopgap, mealy-mouth measure that people are promoting as a solution. It's not. It's just yet another government program to be administered by government bureaucrats to, uh, you know, deem certain families acceptable of getting these vouchers, and then they get to take the vouchers to certain private schools that have uh, decided they are going to accept the vouchers. And of course, if you know anything about government programs, money does not usually come without strings attached. And so inevitably, the schools that want to accept the vouchers, because, you know, they could use the money or whatever the reasons are, they're going to come along with all the rules and regulations that the government wants to impose on them. And those can be as draconian as determining the types of milk that they sell in the cafeteria. So really, is that what you want? Do you want government all of a sudden, or do you want rather the private school you're sending your kid to, to all of a sudden change its rules because they want to take a couple thousand dollars a year from the government? Because that's what's going to happen with the voucher system. It's a fact. 1-800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Let's talk to Dave in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live, Dave. Well, I was actually going to talk to you about something with Ed Brown, but as long as we're on education and, and just all the different evil things that the government does uh, you know, through legislation and whatnot, you know, there's that saying, you know, there's a thousand people hacking at the branches for every one that's hacking at the root. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me like, you know, I, I'm not, I wouldn't deprecate political action and political involvement, and I do it, but, you know, I just sometimes wonder if maybe it's better to go after the root, and the root, or the, you know, the weak point at least, is the, in, the point of enforcement, and when the government comes for the money, that, that may be the, the point to take the stand rather than trying to take the stand in the legislature on all these branches. I think it's saying? a great idea. I just wish there were enough people that were willing to take that stand. Because well, it's hard to do by yourself. If you, if you think about it, there were I, I, I don't own property in New Hampshire, so I can't do it in the way that that um, uh, that it probably needs to be done. But right. there were 18 properties that were seized over the last couple months in Berlin, New Hampshire. 18. Know about 18. And, and those. Did you, you say know, there I were eight? That, you said there were yeah, 18, 18 properties that were seized in Berlin, New Hampshire. Correct. For non-payment of taxes. I think it was like 18. It was you know it was in a team. Yeah, well, for for not paying the property tax, and if just one of those homes or businesses you know could be occupied and you know make a scene over 
over them taking it. Like Ed uh, Brown, sort of? Like, like an Ed Brown sort kind of, of scene? like that, but more peaceful and respectful. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not so easy when it comes to property taxes. Generally, what happens is when they quote-unquote seize a property um, and somebody's it's in it paper. doesn't want to leave, yeah, it's just done on paper. So they put a lien against the property or they um, they take the property and they sell it on the courthouse at the to the highest bidder. And then the highest bidder, some guy who just happened to bid on some foreclosed property, goes out... <laughs> To your house, expecting to see some abandoned wreck, and instead, what he sees is you sitting on the front door well, with a shotgun yeah, in your hand. I think that's great. And think about think about the chilling effect that would have on such sales in the future. Hmm. Well, I like the idea. I don't man. like the idea that uh, citizens are turned against each other like that. I think yeah, I think down I the line, I would be willing to participate in some sort of civil disobedience like that, but I'm not willing to go it alone. I think that's something where you need multiple multiple people together, uh, just basically coming together and forming some sort of a coalition and, and putting out press releases saying, we're not paying taxes, and here's why. If each individual bureaucracy wants to send us a bill, then we will decide on an individual uh, basis as to whether or not we want to pay for that, for instance, like fire coverage or uh, policing services, that sort of thing. I think that would be, I think it'd be pretty powerful. It'd get a lot of attention. Um, but I but to do it to go it alone, man, that's tough. I mean, Russell and Kat, two of the activists here in Keene, they tried to do it. They didn't really make it very public, um, and they just they just refused to pay their taxes. Turns out that the the trailer park they were living in at the time, which kind of is kind of a messy situation because the trailer park was paying one side of the taxes, and then they were paying the other side on their mm-hmm. their trailer. So it's kind of a it wasn't the the most optimal of situations. But nonetheless, they ended up actually rolling over and paying it because if they didn't pay the taxes, they wouldn't have been able to sell the trailer because the trailer park was kicking them out of the park and uh, it was just a mess. So it didn't help them either. You know, yeah, well, you know, learn, learn by doing it. And I think there's a middle ground between having, you know, a complex group of people and having, you know, an individual. Uh, the middle ground would be, you know, having one home that a person is refusing to pay tax on, but have 100 to 200 people that are, you know, involved in the, in the uh, 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 you know, the peaceable defense of the home. I feel like um, I feel like that if this is going to happen, those who refuse to pay the taxes should own their homes outright. I feel like that might be of assistance. Not that I, I'm an expert on these things, but if they can't put the you know stick the knife to the bank and they can only put liens on your title, then that puts you, I think, in a, in a much stronger position. That certainly cuts the field down. I can tell you. Yeah, and it, and again, it, I'm just assuming that this would happen in New Hampshire, not anywhere else. I can't imagine trying to do it anywhere else. And the other thing but. is, is this is a long battle. Um, municipalities uh, will often go ten years, fifteen years, uh, you know, just letting the 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 debt. De- the debt accrue, and then they'll foreclose on the home. It's not like you can say, "I'm not going to pay my taxes," and then at the end of the year, you can expect a battle with the uh, the county because it's likely you won't have that happen. So. W- you know where where are the activists going to be in 15 years when I have the problem? Dave, I don't know. Dave, uh, thank you for that uh, info. Did you have a quick Ed Brown update for us? I do. There was a concert at Ed Brown's place over the weekend, <laughs> and I understand 50 people showed up. That's fantastic, and I also understand there's going to be a fourth a uh, Independence Day party happening there as well. Details are available at nhfree.com in the forums there. And, uh, Dave, thanks for the call. We appreciate it, as always. 1-800-259-9231, a uh, a very violent cop beating up some skaters. We'll talk about that and take your calls about anything. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free 
Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features there. We give them away, so enjoy those on us and get signed up for the updates. Whenever there's something fresh to announce about the program, you'll know first. If you're on the updates list, you can get on it by going to updates.freetalklive.com. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Do you know if your hard-earned money, hard-earned wealth is at risk? If you have a business, there's a one in three chance that you'll be named in a lawsuit in the next year. That lawsuit could destroy your business and leave you penniless. At KeepYourAssets.net, they're experts in sheltering what you've earned. Go to KeepYourAssets.net, take their asset protection crash course today. That's KeepYourAssets.net. As we go to the phones and to the fun, it is George in Montana listening on KGEZ. Hey, George. George. Yes, uh, you know, guys, let's cut down the chase. All right. You know, the reason people don't send their children to private schools is because they can't afford it. So the question isn't over philosophy. It's a question is over money. Well, the reason they can't afford the private schools is because property taxes are essentially making it very difficult for them. No, no, no. Come on. Get real. Property taxes are paid once a year. They're a lot cheaper than most food or everything else. If you have a kid, you've you got real expenses, and property taxes are a small part of that. Well, but let me put it this way to you. That, you know, if, if you wanted to, you need a solution to your philosophy, and I would suggest to you see if you want to play with this. The Internet is, has a thing called on it meeting. Now, I don't know how to use it, but maybe your people can set up uh, programs to be able to have meetings. And then you can get all these homeschoolers to be able to attend classes being taught by retired teachers. I happen to be one of those. Mm-hmm. Or some other people who want to teach a class. And they can teach their kids. Now, that will make it affordable because there's one thing. The only cost is the Internet. Your mama will take care of the discipline. She'll you know what, feed George, you. You are she'll coming clothe up. you and she will whatever you need to do to be in Great class. Idea. George, you've come up with a brilliant idea that utilizes you know, market concepts to help bring costs down for parents. So, no, parents don't need to send their kids to government schools. Government schools don't need to exist. If you turn it over to the marketplace, people like you, George, people with ideas will be able to implement their no, ideas. No, 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 no. George, I mean... This George has ideas. He doesn't have the implementation. Right. What George needs is for some of your so-called capitalists to set up the programs that they need on the Internet, you know, or make them available to buy. Sure. So we can then set up classrooms. So well, let me tell you, there already teachers can set up classrooms. That would be the very desirable. Yep, I agree. Okay? There are already schools. And that schools. would make it affordable for modest people of modest means to be able to send their children to quote-unquote private schools. Here's the problem, though, George, and I agree with what you're saying. The problem is until government schools are entirely eliminated, the market providers are not necessarily all going to jump into the game. They're going to they're going to sit back because most parents are, you know, they don't know what they're missing, and they're not out there actively looking for that sort no, of education. No, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I deal with parents all the time. I used to, at least. Most parents know what they're getting and they're not and they know they they can get better most parents are well aware that education is not the best they can do for their kid but it's the only thing they can afford so i am sorry to disagree with you then with the way you're going to do this is you're going to you're going to create i think there are plenty of things i think that you can i think it just depends george it just depends i mean it depends on who you talk to some parents know plenty of them don't even pay attention you know they don't most of them most of the ones that used to be in my school system is pretty close to the ghetto 
knew that they were getting, they were not getting the best education for their kids. Right, they know now, that, they know that, that made the case. to you is that, uh, but, you know, you say you could destroy the public school system. The way you destroy the public school system is to give them a competing school system so they can buy it on the market. And a lot of retired yeah, but people you, you will don't, be glad you, to teach. I, I see where you're coming from, and I like that idea, George, but practically parents are going to look at those other alternatives and they're going to say, well, I'm already paying property taxes. I might as well send my kids to the, to the government no, no, schools no, no, that no. I'm already parents paying for. Parents will then for. start demanding money from the government and say, hey, I'm not using your school system. I want my taxes back. I want yeah, my property taxes back. I wish parents would, uh, would do so that. That's they're not doing that. would be the other start of this thing. It's not going to be like somebody's going to have a free ride. I'm, what I'm saying is people know what they're paying for, and they will demand that they, they pay for what they use. Well, is it any surprise to you that uh, so many uh, parents are homeschooling their kids nowadays? That the no, it doesn't surprise me at all. I would, I would su suggest to you that they're you know, smart, but they also get to understand that people who homeschool their kids generally are college-educated. And maybe, you know, have, have the opportunity and the education to educate their own kids. Most people don't. You know, I know a lot Most of Most people couldn't parents. add one and one is two. So uh, that's, let's get real. Yeah, I know quite a few homeschool parents that have a high school diploma. And they actually, they end up learning with their kids because they have to buy the curricula. And they have to study it and understand it a bit before they teach their kids or give the kids the work. So I've I found a lot of them have told me that they've learned a lot by educating their own kids. Okay, well, you're dealing with a different market than I am. I can tell you that the market I've dealt with, and it wasn't a very wealthy market either, and that market w will possibly go. The, the problem they're going to have is getting Internet connection, but that's becoming more and more readily available everywhere. Yeah, just about everywhere. So if they realize that they can buy mathematics or buy English classes, they, can, they will be start taking that up. So maybe, maybe the way to destroy the public school system is to strip it of a student. Not try, you, you've been trying to destroy the public school for a system for a long time, and you haven't succeeded. I haven't been trying to. And I'm a public to, school I, teacher, so I'm well aware of what you're up to. Well, I haven't been trying to do anything for a very long time. But I, well, I, I, I mean, I don't that. mind if you want to destroy it. What I'm saying is you're not giving the, you're not giving the public a substitute. You that's want not a my philosophy. responsibility. Philosophy doesn't feed you. Well, that's not my responsibility to give them the substitute. The marketplace will do that within a matter of weeks from the, uh, Moments, the abolishment yeah. of the government school system. Thank the you for the call, George. Appreciate it. For your Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. What is he saying? The marketplace doesn't exist? Well, I, huh? think, I think George is very insightful and, underst and understood the, the situation very well. What he probably didn't get the most of is that the market, in fact, would will fill in. Where there is demand, there will be supply. And, it won't uh, take them long, right, too. There's educated people out there that can fill these um, gaps in. I think you had a really great idea that you, you brought up, which is give the public schools to the um, teachers, the administrators, and the janitors, give them each a share and say, here's your school. You've got one year, um, you know, you've got two years, whatever amount of time. One more year of government one funding. More, you got one more year of money, and then this business is yours. Yep. You will need to figure out some way to fund it, whether that's corporate sponsorships, tuition, a combination thereof. If you need to uh, streamline, you've got to do that, whatever. Yep. This is now your business. Good luck with it. That's right. And and I'd, like to, I'd like to see a state start opting out of No Child Left Behind as well. Oh yeah, those are all those are all good ideas as far as getting the ball rolling on this. But I think what George doesn't understand with his last comment there that he slipped in about that the marketplace doesn't exist. I think he was going to say for for that sort of education. Well, you're wrong. Um, parents 
in the absence of government schools, would be demanding options for their kids. Immediately, they're going to want somewhere to send their kids during the day so that they can go to work and uh, their kids can get educated. Yeah. So it won't take very long for the people in search of profit to say, hmm, need to start a school so I can get myself some of this money that's out there waiting to be given to me. Um, it, it won't take long at all. I think a matter of weeks, if school were to go out at the end of a summer, uh, a summer by the start of the next school year, there'd be all sorts of choices, I think, available for, uh, for parents. And especially Especially if we went with Mark's suggestion about turning the existing government schools over to the teachers, then there's no way that you could make the argument that there wouldn't be a school waiting for kids. Oh, that's right. And the teachers' unions are very powerful. But if you can get them on board with this and you can let them see that they'll have more control, they'll have more uh, better working conditions, and they'll enjoy yeah, their they jobs have their more. Pensions. <laughs> well, well the pensions the pension's still sitting yeah, there. It would still yeah. be a tough sale. It would still now, be a tough the, sale. The teachers are contributing to their pensions, and they're in a separate fund. The pensions aren't relied on um, completely. But by aren't they taxpayer funded as well? I, you know, I, I don't know exactly are. where they all. Well, they, no, they're they not. can be transitioned to the to the uh, with their private sector. You know, once they have jobs and, and their schools are private schools, their, their schools can be contributing to that fund yeah, too. That's true. Let's go to Mac in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Mac, you're on the air. What's on your mind? Mac. Mac. The voucher system the voucher system is kind of screwed up because, like, in Arizona, um, they'll give you a $1,000 voucher to put your kid in a private school, but most of the people can't afford to uh, put their kids in a private school with only a $1,000 voucher. Right. Yeah. It's but a half-big solution. Is the people that can afford to put their kids in, in a private school, get a $1,000 voucher. They get a subsidy. To, uh, subsidize their choice yeah. put them in there. It's not the answer. It's just a stopgap, and it's not even a good one at that. Thanks for the call. More on the way. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. The show is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. But we do ask you voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com to learn more about the program. It's simple. It stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is you send in as little as three bucks a month to us. We take it and turn it around into promoting Free Talk Live to getting the show on more radio stations around the country and thereby spreading the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. So get all the details about you know, some of the perks you'll get too, including like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, AMP-only forum and chat room and more. All the details, amp.freetalklive.com to Diane in Arizona. You're on Free Talk Live, Diane. Hi, guys. Hey, what's on hey. your mind? Um, well, I had a, a comment on the uh, abortion issue you guys were talking about. I listened to last night's podcast today. Okay. And then I had exciting news. Great. Well, let's what let do you want first? Uh, the, the, the abortion thing, yeah, please. <laughs> okay. A um, long time ago, I wrote a list um, about uh, to argue the abortion issues issue because I'm pro-choice. Okay. And um, and it was. It, it was written when I was probably more liberal and everything, but it went something like, you know, and it, it was also written a long time ago, so some of these things don't even really apply that much anymore, but it went something like, well, when men take equal responsibility for birth control and when men don't deny parenting a child and when over 50% of marriages don't end in divorce and when men take the equal share of the parenting duties, 
Mark. Well, <laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't when, sound particularly liberal. You just sound, you just sound when, uh, bitter. <laughs> yeah, but when, when women have equal chance of being hired and getting paid the same amount of money as men, and when the governments don't restrict uh, singles and same-sex couples and mixed-race parents from adopting, and when 99% of the children of a divorce end up, don't end up with the mom, and when child care is affordable. Anyway, it just went on and on and on. You know, I think that a lot of these, uh, a lot of people who choose abortion might not choose it. You know, there's I, I think just a lot of, all the risks seem to be on women, you know, yeah, that's true. for having uh, a baby. And, and, but, you know, I also... I'd like to say that as a man, I have taken full responsibility for birth control. And, you have, uh, and kudos to you. Me you too. Yes, Wayne has done it as well. Oh, it's, good for you. It's a good feeling. I'd like to make a defense of my particular <laughs> position, if I may. And, and let me restate <laughs> my position. Is my wife and I have uh, more or less, uh, you know, she has given me an ultimatum in our marriage. Um, <laughs> I have a child or I go back to Florida situation. And um, I've said, okay. And but if we but if you have a child but we if we have a child you get up in the middle of the night and you take care of that baby because well, I don't want it. to she right. wanted now, it now hold on just a second I'd like to compare this child to a 1967 drop top Lincoln if I could please <laughs> if I if I say look Laura we're getting a 1967 drop top Lincoln and that's the way it is or I'm leaving you. Um, it's likely she'd let me buy one. I'd, I'd probably have to make just that much noise, by the way, in order to get that. With the caveat. Now, could I reasonably expect her to go out and change the oil in it and wash it with a baby diaper no and do all these other things that I would want to have done to that car? Well, no. it seems like the ultimatum throwing started on the other end of the stick there. Well, oh. you know, I, I, I think it'll be great having a kid. I just don't want to get up in the middle of the night. You know, right. I didn't like it either, and I used to get up in the middle of the night, but then my wife would get up anyway, and I think... What am I getting up for? You're up anyway. <laughs> so oh, you'll, you'll end up doing you'll end up doing your fair share anyway. Just oh, I'm sure he will. Getting getting up in the middle of the night is only one little thing. Women have their ways of uh, of making <laughs> so that those th- sorts of things happen. <laughs> well, you just will because it'll just. I mean, you'll just you'll have to like work hard to feel absolutely awful about yourself in order to maintain not ever having to do anything with the kids. I mean. It's, you're just going to have to. Oh, I want to do things with the kids. I, I just, just may not, not want to do the, uh, the the day-to-day maintenance stuff of the kids. Oh, yeah. believe me, you'll oh, like, you're, you're, like you're going to be You're going to be walking hammer. around with a a spit rag on your shoulder. And, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Don't worry. Doesn't scare me. I grew up on a farm. You know what, Mark? There you go. The best, there you one go. of the best moments of my life was about 5 o'clock in the morning. My wife had gone to work, and I was feeding my son when he was just months old. And he looked up, he, he, the nip, he popped the nipple out of his mouth for a second, and he looked up, up at me and said, Dada. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. And I'll never forget that, as long as I live. <laughs> yeah, good sound effect. Yeah. So, Diane, what's the good news? I'm moving to New Hampshire. Oh, wow. Boy, yes. How soon? I, my last day of work is the 8th of July. Wow, that's soon. Congratulations. When do you expect to, uh, to arrive? Well, I'm gonna. I got applause. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel like I should say, "You like me. You really, really like me." <laughs> We've met you. Yeah. We do like you, Diane. Uh, no, I, uh, I, you know, just things started. I. This is the point I want to make: okay. is that I signed the first 1,000 pledge in December, and I 
This is, by the way, just hold on, hold on. Before you make the point, let me uh, educate our listeners who don't know what the first 1,000 pledge is. We're talking about the Free State Project, moving 20,000 liberty lovers all to New Hampshire in order to make a stand for liberty. The first 1,000 is those who have said, I will be one of the first and I will move by the end of 2008. Go ahead with your point. Okay, so my point is that at the time that I signed that pledge, the probability that things would work out in my life so that I could move to New Hampshire by the end of 2008, were, it was highly unlikely. Okay. And since that time, it's almost like I can hear ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk in the background of my life because things just keep dropping off hmm. and resetting and dropping off and resetting. And suddenly, here it is six months later, and I'm moving to New Hampshire. A, a year, I mean... Three months ago, I thought, you know, I could probably do it next summer. And here it is, you know, three months after that, and I'm going. There is really something to be said about making up one's mind, about looking into the future, seeing what you want to create for yourself, and then going after it. And it really is amazing sometimes how things work out. Not always. Sometimes unexpected things pop up. uh, But really, if you envision that you're going to be somewhere, if you're going to be doing something in the future, you really can make it happen for you. As long as you're willing to put the work in, you can't just lay around and envision these things and expect expect them to happen, but uh, right. have you know, have you guys noticed that in your lives, that you can pretty much set out to create whatever you want for yourself? Oh, yes. I think with a positive attitude that you can do anything. Yeah, the, I mind, mean, the mind's I, a very powerful thing. I, yeah. I think that it's, uh, you know, with the right positive attitude and with the uh, the, the right single-mindedness, you can actually, uh, you know, take a radio station that you start in your uh, third bedroom and turn it into a nationally syndicated show. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Diane, congratulations. Yeah. We'll see you, what was it you said, by the end of July? Uh, yeah, I'll be leaving um, the, after the 8th sometime during that week, and just I'm going to drive up there and kind of check out the area and see where I want to live, find a place to live, and then I'm going to fly back and load up the U-Haul. That's fantastic. And make sure you get in touch with the Welcome Wagon. Go to freestateproject.org. Get in touch with the, uh, I think it's Margo, who's running the Welcome Wagon. Let her know when you're moving, where you're moving to, and there'll be people there to help you unload if that's what you're, uh, if you would like that assistance. What about when you go up there and you're just looking around? Are, are there cheap places to stay that, like, like there are, a uh, there are, kind of thing? There or? are free staters who will let you crash on their couch. I mean, all you really have to do is go to nhfree.com, mm-hmm. go into the forums there, and uh-huh. let them know where you're going to and where you'd like to, you know, uh, the, the area in which you would like to stay. And I'm sure people will jump up and, uh, and offer you a, you know, a couch or a guest bedroom or something like that. So toss my sleeping bag in the back of my car. And there you go. Okay, cool. Diane, good luck. Let us know how it goes, okay? All right, Thanks. thank you. See ya. 800-259-9231. How exciting. We got all kinds of new people moving to New Hampshire at all times. This is really happening. Those of you out there doubting the Free State Project, those of you uh, naysayers out there, yes, they'll never work, trying to get libertarians to do some things like herding cats. Well, well it I'll is take, working. I'll, I'll tell you, libertarians take their word and the things that they've said very, very seriously. Um, probably a, a bit more seriously than most people. And a thousand people signed the first 1,000 program. and 1,033, I think. Yeah, and, and they'll be here. I bet, I, I'll bet 2,000 will be here. Let's go to Tom in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Tom, hello. Yeah, I just wanted to point out that uh, Governor Lynch signed a bill uh, forbidding New Hampshire from participating in the federal real ID system. Yeah. Was that today? Uh, uh, t- uh, that's uh, on his official government of New Hampshire website dated June 27, 2007. Great. So that's Good news. one one thing that now when you're 
teaching libertarian stuff to people, like about vouchers and this and that. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like teaching third graders grammar. They're not ready for the eighth grade grammar book, but yet the third grade reader still has to use perfect grammar. And likewise, when you're teaching people about libertarian stuff, then you can't go telling them that vouchers are a good thing because they're not. They're you not. have to base all of the stuff still has to be correct. And so, Thank you. I, mean, I, agree. I didn't call. I didn't call to talk, to talk about that, but since they, that's what, what they were talking about, I needed to point that out. What I called to talk about was I put a link to your program on a new website that I set up. All right, and plug it, Tom. What is it? Free state. Free plug. Freestater.info. Very good. Tom, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Thanks yep. for the plug on our on your site, 800-259-9231. I agree entirely with that. You have to stay with the principled position and let everyone else come in your direction. Hour 3 is on the way. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three of the program. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features there. We give them away. Those are the radio talk show hosts. They want to charge you for accessing their websites. Ours is free. Freetalklive.com. As we go right into the phone calls, talk to Matt in Illinois on the amplifier line. Hey, Matt. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. What's on your mind? Uh, last hour, you were talking about schools, and you talked to a gentleman from Montana. I'm not sure who he was. I think his name was George. George, yeah. George, yes. And he was talking about how, oh, if if you know you if you weren't paying property taxes, that wouldn't be enough to pay pay for uh, private schools. Well, where I live, my property taxes are $6,200 a year. Yeah, well, I'm, sh- I'm sure with $6,200, I could send my kid to a private school. Now, um, in, in George's defense, and I felt like he was uh, really understood the problem. He may not have understood the market particularly well, but he certainly understood the issue with uh, public schools. And, you know, here in Keene... It's the same situation. I think, Ian, you probably pay something close to... Uh, five grand. Yeah. Oh, five grand? I got an abatement. Okay, great. Um, you know, on a $200,000 house, or maybe a little more than that, you'd probably pay six. And uh, about thirty two, thirty five hundred of that's going to go to schools. And, you know, you might be able to send your kid to elementary school or sixth grade with $3,500. But when you start getting into high school... It, it it often um, at least in the the better um, high schools you're going to be it's going to that, well, that's the guy not that do called it. earlier said it was seventeen thousand to go to that high was school at an extremely high end private private school but but nonetheless yeah. that is that is where you're coming from right Mark there's a lot of people that are going to say well even even if I had all my property taxes back I couldn't afford it but the problem is those people are existing in the current paradigm mm-hmm. where government exists and siphons off uh, most of the market competition in schools with true free market schools and real competition then yeah it very well may be possible for tuitions to come down as low as a couple grand a year, I think. And, well, and there was another um, statement that he made, because he was talking about uh, online schools, and it just so happens that a friend of mine who lives near me and pays, um, I think, a little bit more than I do in property taxes, had to pull his kid out of school because of um, personal things that had happened. 
mm-hmm. and he's ending up sending him to online high school. There is there that is available already. Yeah, I was going to say I know online colleges exist. Why wouldn't online high schools exist? And and that you know that's uh, I think the kid's getting his GED, um, he, and he's uh, according to my friend the, the kid's happier. He's working better. Um, he's learning more than he was at the other school. Yeah. It so makes that's sense. That's already happening. It there, makes there, sense. Yeah, you there take... are less distractions. But if both parents work, you're not going to leave your kid home alone to go an online school. That could be uh, a party. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you're it could. Right. It could be. But, but this kid was. Um, um, no, he was almost graduated. He was in his senior year. So for him, it, it wasn't that big of a deal. But yeah, yeah I, I know what you mean. If you're if you're leaving, especially like a, a young. Um, junior high kid or something like that. No, you don't want to leave one of them alone. Oh, that could be trouble. Very good. Matt, thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Another thing that, um, you know, the the sort of free market in education has been uh, compromised by public schools, and we don't get to see what education would do in a free market. And, and, nope, it's, diffi- and it's difficult to explain it to people because they haven't seen a free market in education. And they think that if they can't imagine it, then no and one else can. And they imagine that every private school is going to be, and in a free market, is going to be exactly like private schools are now, therefore they're going to cost as Not much. So. And that's not so. I mean, does Harvard cost as much as uh, the University of Phoenix? No. no. I mean, you're talking about two completely different models for educating kids. One of them is, you know, a high-end Ivy League school that is basically based on networking. Um, you meet people that uh, the movers and shakers mm-hmm. uh, in, in American society, you know, in, um, 40 years from now. These these people are going to be the names. And the other one is I need a, I need a degree and I need it quick-like. And I, I need it as um, easily as I possibly can get it. There's going to be all kinds of different education and a free market for education. It's not going to all be the same thing. It's in, in you know, that way... If if a kid wants to you know be cycled through quickly, maybe the eighth grade they're off on their own. And people really need to people who have this fear of the marketplace handling education or the marketplace handling you know fill in the blank, they really need to get over their fears because it, if you turn it over to the marketplace, what you have to understand is that even if you can come up with some good ideas as to what the marketplace might look like, you could be totally wrong. The marketplace may organize itself in a way that you never could possibly have predicted. And you have to sit back and you have to understand that that's what's inevitably going to happen. The marketplace is going to do what it's going to do based on the individual decisions of thousands upon millions of consumers, uh, all deciding individually what they want for themselves and their children and all of those things, all of those decisions working together to create the products and the services that are available on the marketplace. We can't possibly fathom it, and we have to just understand that. We have to accept that we can't fathom it. We can think up some ideas right. and, and make ourselves feel good the fact that we can think some ideas up, but will it pan out that way? Maybe, maybe not. That's right, and like we've said many times in the show, that the ultimate form of democracy, if you want to call it that, is is voting with your money, with, yes. your, with your purchasing power. Because elections can be, uh, people, you know, politicians can lie, elections can be rigged, but what you can't change is what people are willing to spend their money on. Yeah, you don't like it, take your money somewhere else, and that will get a response in the marketplace. Unlike what we have today, where the government could care less. They don't care what you think about their government schools. You, you have to pay for them whether you like them or not, whether you're going to use them or not. And that's what the real issue is. You know, again, you need to get over your your concerns about the free marketplace and how it would organize itself. There's no way to predict how that would happen. But one thing we can all agree on is that using force... 
to achieve your goals of educating kids or whatever the goal might be is unacceptable and morally wrong every single time. There is mm-hmm. no excuse to use coercive force, initiate coercive force on your friends or family or your neighbors. And you heard the previous caller who's been a teacher in both systems. He likes his job much better now in a private school than he did before. Yep. And I'm sure a lot of teachers would like their jobs better and probably stick it out longer and not leave the profession. Students would like their teachers better, too, because, um, again, if the teachers weren't of good quality, then the students would not go to those schools. The parents would not send their kids to those schools, whereas in the government school system, a lousy teacher gets a couple years tenure. He or she is stuck there forever. It doesn't matter how bad they are. doesn't matter how many kids they touch in their private places. They're they're very rarely going to get fired. That's pretty much the only thing that might get a a government school That's about the one thing. And when you use it as an example, people are going to say, oh, that's not true and discount what you say so um yeah in that particular instance you you pretty much have to own the only choice of getting a, a, a bad teacher fired at that point is if they start touching kids in their private but otherwise it, yeah if you look at this from a monetary standpoint too is that a lot of public schools have been are used as ba- basically glorified babysitting centers and so that Prisons. parents yeah parents don't even care if their if their kids get a decent education they just want them away so they can go to work and that's that's sad. Well, I think they care. I think they've just decided, well, this is school and, and this is education as education is. They've so accepted their lot. I, they've abdicated their responsibility for, um, you know, educating the child. So, you know, it's okay. That's education things taken care of. I need to get them out of my hair and go to work. Well, a lot of uh, schools now even have after-school programs. So the kids are in school for 12 hours in many cases. Yeah. They're at that school for 12 hours doing one thing or the other. And it's sad because both parents have to work to maintain this lifestyle, this bubble economy lifestyle that we've has kind of crept up on us in the last couple of decades. You're right, and that really actually is, that goes back to a, a much wider issue, and that is the, the heavy burden of taxation that parents have to deal with today. Fifty years ago, I'm not saying I want things to go back to like they were in the 50s, I just want freedom on into the future, but 50 years ago, people didn't have to work as hard to make as much money. That's right. And so therefore, it would have been no big deal for one parent, mom or dad, depending on whoever, you know, whatever their internal reasons are, um, could stay home and teach the kids, or That's could right. stay home and take care of the kids. Yeah, and, and there was a point in our lives with my wife and I where I would work three days a week and then she would work three days a week. So someone was always home with, with our children. Mm-hmm. And that actually was a pretty nice arrangement because we both got to do a little bit of everything. And we weren't stuck in a job, you know, working five or six days a week. Mm-hmm. One of us, while the other was home all day, burned out. Because you can get burned out from either oh, either, either role. I would think that uh, it would be even more difficult with uh, multiple children at home taking care of them. I, I would think that you'd need to get out and have a job and that kind of thing. So imagine yeah. if parents had the wealth that they had 50 years ago. The because, purchasing power. Because right. it doesn't matter how much money you have, it's what it can buy. Right. Well, because of uh, because, you know, inflation has been... <laughs> just chipping away at that forever. Imagine if we actually had sound money and had the ability to not have to pay property taxes and, you know, we're able to keep all the money we earned and have income taxes on top of all that. Man, we'd be able to afford all kinds of neat things for our kids. And people would be happier and more prosperous and they wouldn't be on the treadmill like gerbils. 800-259-9231. Bill in Virginia, we'll take your calls about whatever's on your mind. Coming up, it's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our site are totally free, and those features do include the bulletin board system. Approaching 250,000 posts, about 1,500 people are interacting there, and it's all totally free. There are serious issues being discussed, fun stuff as well. You'll find it all. 
at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. Let's go to the phones and to the fun bill in Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live. Hi, guys. I've got some very good news and some very bad news. Start with the bad news. Okay, the bad news is going to make your stomach turn. Mm. Uh, As of July 1st, Virginia is going to have a $3,550 speeding ticket. Whoa. What? Oh, Oh, yeah. Uh, I've got a little article here, and I'll try and read it pretty fast. All right. Virginia legislator introduces new speeding ticket tax that boosts penalties beyond $3,550, driving business to his traffic law firm. Virginia motorists convicted of minor traffic violations will face a new multi-year tax beginning July 1st. Led by state delegate David B. Albo, a Republican, lawmakers slipped a driver responsibility tax into a larger transportation funding bill signed by Governor Tim Kaine in April. Albo, a senior partner in the Albo and Oblon LLP traffic law firm, can Mm. expect to see a significant increase in business as motorists seek to protect their wallet from traffic tickets that come with assessments of up to $3,000 in addition to an annual point tax that tops out at $700 a year for as long as the points remain. The purpose of the civil remedial fees imposed in this section is to generate revenue, the law states. Driving as little as 15 miles an hour over the limit on an interstate highway now brings six licensed demerit points, a fine of up to $2,500, up to one year in jail, and a new mandatory $1,050 $1,050 tax. The law also imposes down, an additional down, annual down, fee of up to $100 whoa, if whoa, a prior whoa, whoa, conviction leaves the motorist. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This $1,000 tax, this is a tax on a ticket. So you're getting the ticket for whatever the absurd amount is. And then in addition, they're saying, oh, now we're going to tax you on the ticket to the tune of 1000 to $3,000. Is this all payable at once? Is it payable in monthly installments? How do they plan on getting this out of people? People can't afford this crap. Uh, this is apparently going to be paid over the course of a few years, I think. Um, I, th- I think the uh, $2,500 fine is due immediately, and then you Jeez. get taxed on the points that get connected to your license. Is this for anyone who speeds? Uh, uh, no, actually, uh, all, let me see. Uh, this is only going to be for Virginia residents. So out-of-state oh, motorists only need to pay the regular ticket amount. More free state project members coming up here yeah. from Virginia, I'm sure. Yes, I was about to say, if anybody in Virginia has ever been thinking about the free state project, now is the perfect time to move. Hey, make sure you speed on the way out of there, Bill. I know you're uh, you're moving in uh, in August. <laughs> yeah, go oh, yeah. Right I'm, I'm going to load up that huge truck and really slam on the gas. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's insanity. I mean, I've never, I, I have actually heard once in the past of, I don't know if it was a state or locality, that had that had initiated some form of taxation upon a ticket. I it have heard of Michigan, that. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, and Texas also have some of these taxes. Oh, yeah. um, in uh, Massachusetts, they have fees also on their tickets. So I, I got a $200 ticket in Massachusetts, a $50 ticket fee. What the hell is that? 
Well, I mean, you know, the, the sleazy thing about this is not only is he just, you know, using what used to be peace officers and now in law enforcement officers are now looting mercenaries to collect all this loot right. from they're people just, on the highway, they're just but he's also driving everybody to his business. Yeah, that, that's. Uh, I mean, yeah. isn't there a conflict of interest? Oh, Shouldn't yes. this guy be arrested? Or... So wait, his business is to help defend people from traffic tickets. He he runs a uh, a law firm that I guess specializes in traffic law. Mm-hmm. So you know, probably if anybody would know how to beat the law, it would be the guy who wrote it. Who wrote so, it? Sounds like mercantilism this to me. Is a, yeah, this is a perfect example of what the government is just all about. It's by the lawyers. For the lawyers, for the most part, these guys write the laws that helps drive business to uh, to their law firms or their other businesses. Uh, like, for instance, here in New Hampshire, the lady that was behind the mandate of uh, you know 800 hours of uh, 800 hours of training to learn how to clip nails, she happens to be the owner and a lawyer. She happens to be the owner also of uh, of the beauty school in the state. I mean, it's just this kind of crap that goes on with government. And oh, people think Ian, and your this? crazy conspiracy theories. I'm sure that's just a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like this is a coincidence. This right. Is a, and this is, is this pretty much gone through, or is this proposed, or what was this? No, this, this went through, and this wow. is actually going to be effective July 1st. Wow. That's Yeah, uh, it's stunning. scary. I bet you can't get out of there soon enough. Uh, and that was my good news, is that we signed a lease for an apartment up in Warner, New Hampshire. Nice. Where is that? Uh, that right? is northwest of Concord. Oh, great. Well, congratulations. We're, yeah, we're on the west end of the uh, Main Street in downtown Metropolitan Warner. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> probably if you went to East Main Street, you'd get lost and never find us because it's so big. Yeah, right. Right. Sure. <laughs> cool, Bill. Yeah, well, I think we drove through it in about 15 seconds. Very cool. We'll look forward to seeing you when you get here, and uh, let us know if you get pulled over on the way. Thanks for the call. Yep, definitely. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. $1,000 fines for speeding. Yeah, Can you believe that it has no. gotten to this point? No, I can't. You know, And this is what the municipalities, they know they can get away with this crap. People are scared when they're dealing with cops and scared when they're dealing with judges, and so they just, they just levy these fees and people will pay them. Why don't we just make it a, you know, half a million dollars while we're at it for uh, speeding? We'll put, some, uh, we'll put some liens on people's homes if they can't pay it. Don't, give, it, a, don't give me any ideas. Heck, let's just have the government just take everybody's homes as uh, you know collateral, just in case you decide to speed. That way they'll have it in advance. Well, this is just nuts. 800-259-9231. All right, so I wanted to get to this story about the cop in Hot Springs, Arkansas. This story from KATV, video from a popular uh, internet website, YouTube, was posted by one of six people arrested for skateboarding in downtown Hot Springs, is causing quite a stir. Hot Springs police say the skateboarders were in violation of a city ordinance. Of course now they were. three minors and three adults are facing charges, and the officer who arrested them is on administrative leave. That means he's being paid to not work. The video, which was shot by one of the skateboarders and captured almost the entire incident, was posted on YouTube and has already got more than 30,000 hits. That was when this article was written, which was yesterday. The kids who were arrested say they were just celebrating National Go Skateboarding Day last Thursday, but police say they were breaking the law. Uh, let's see. One of the young folks, uh, the young kids here, said he grabbed a kid from around his back by the neck and took him to the ground and choked him. Another one said the kid didn't know that he was coming after him. He just kind of grabbed him from behind and took him to the ground and started choking him. Boy, he's lucky he didn't it really hurt the kid. 
Skylar Knowles uh, first ran toward his friend, snapping still photos before the 19-year-old Knowles is seen on the video running away from the officer. Quote, he just looked up at me and pointed, and he said, Hey, you, come here. And then out of instinct, I just ran. Officer Joseph Williams gave up on chasing Knowles, but held on to the 13-year-old. And the story goes on a little bit here, but Mark, you and I have both watched the video. Yeah. And it's disturbing. It's pretty outrageous. This cop is out of control. You're not talking about violent kids here. You're talking about just some kids that happen to be skateboarding. Skinny kids that were skateboarding. Very small kids in comparison to this hulking officer. We'll come back with the rest of the story. Your calls as well about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything you want toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. Ed Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, so enjoy those on us and enjoy the Shrine of Female Listeners. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see the dozens and dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. You can see what I mean. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. We were talking about a story out of Hot Springs, Arkansas, which is actually more of a video than anything else. And, of course, uh, the video is posted in our bulletin board system. It's got its own thread at this point. So you can see it for yourself. This It's a lone cop who is apparently harassing some kids that were skateboarding in the city of Hot Springs on National uh, Go Skateboarding Day, which was last week. Of course, because it's Go Skateboarding Day doesn't mean that the laws against skateboarding have been repealed. So there is some sort of statute in effect uh, in Hot Springs that says you can't skate on the downtown sidewalks. I'm sure. But really... While I can understand the reasoning for that, and the reason is you don't want the kids running into people, for instance, when they're skateboarding down the sidewalks. So I can understand the reason for that, but is it really necessary to, oh, I don't know, choke kids and attack them in order order to get them uh, to obey the law? Couldn't we start by just maybe telling them they're breaking the law, giving them a nice stern warning, and uh, letting them know that if they continue to break the law, you're going to escalate the situation. That didn't seem to happen in this particular case. And you had a a cop that was just out of control. Uh, You had kids, maybe five or six kids that were around. These guys are maybe 16 to 18 years old. Not one of these kids looked like he had a you know even a bit of fat on his body. Just very scrawny looking kind of skater kids. And in fact, there was even a female that was present. Hmm. And the cop put the the girl in a chokehold. She wasn't attacking him or anything like that. He's just he just wants to be in charge. He wants to show how big and tough he is. And that's the only way he knows how to do it. He yeah. only knows how to do it by uh, by using force on little kids. Yeah, but when they learn all these really cool techniques at the academy, they have to test them on somebody. Somebody they can easily victimize? Well, sometimes that's how bullies operate. I'm not saying yeah. that it was the case here. It could have been roid rage for all we know. But Well, I'm not sure how things work in Hot Springs, Arkansas. But, um, you know, when when I was younger... Kids would skate on the sidewalks and, um, you know, skate everywhere because they didn't have any place else to skate. Mm-hmm. There weren't any parks or anything like that. I don't know. Hot Springs may have a park, at which, ca- um, which case, as far as I'm concerned, the kid's uh, excuse for skating on the street has just diminished. I don't know. I'd rather have a kid skating on the sidewalk than in the street, personally. Okay. 
Um, it just seems to be a little more dangerous to have a kid in the street skating versus on a sidewalk skating. I'm just saying that if, if there's a park, then the kid probably should skate in the park. Right, but what if you want to get from point A to point B? Is a skateboard not a, uh, appropriate to actually transport oneself? You know, um, it would probably there's probably laws against bicycles being on the uh, sidewalks. Yeah, there are laws here of... in Keene about that. I think it's stupid. Well, it down to only the downtown sidewalks. Every other sidewalk apparently is okay. If, to have if a, bike a bicycle on. hits a pedestrian, if any of those things hits a pedestrian, it's really going to hurt them. Right. So they're be called careful. sidewalks for a reason. So be careful. Well, if a, if a car hits a kid in the road with a bicycle or a skateboard, that's going to hurt that kid. Well, Not as much as the bike hitting the pedestrian, I'll tell you that. Well, skateboards, if they slide out from under you, they can become a projectile. And, right. And I'm sure that one idiot probably did that and hit an old lady one time. And there was a, and Actually, I saw it happen. Did you? No, I saw. Um, I, I, I worked at a mall, and a friend of mine was skating uh, right, you know, there was a little planter with some benches uh, right in front of the store where I was working. Not a enclosed mall. This is more like a plaza. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was skating out there, and uh, sure enough, he landed wrong on the skateboard. It shot out from underneath him, hit... A little girl, maybe seven or nine, seven to nine or something like that. Just so happens her dad was with her, and he's an off-duty sheriff's uh, sheriff. So um, my friend got uh, locked up and taken to jail. Ooh. Yeah, that seems a little bit. Uh, that just seems a little unnecessary. Yeah. I, I don't think you need to be putting kids in chokeholds over skateboards. I'm sure the know? cop felt like his uh, daughter was unnecessarily endangered too. Yeah, I understand that. Write him a ticket, okay? Do something else. Do we need to put people in chokeholds over it? You don't agree with that, do you, Mark? No, okay. no. I, I think it was. It looked. It was. It was scary looking. Yeah, that response was definitely inappropriate. And it goes back to what I've said before about how it is that the police, apparently, the police complain, we've heard them complain about, I wish the people didn't call us pigs, we're just trying to help people out here. Well, stop putting kids in chokeholds for riding skateboards, stop busting in on high school parties, uh, stop arresting their friends for smoking marijuana, and then maybe some kids might appreciate what you're doing out there. Maybe if you you know, go and arrest some rapists or murderers or arsonists or something like that, or vandals, maybe in those particular cases, then people would start to appreciate what you're doing. But as long as what you're doing is, is, uh, is bringing violence to those who have not actually initiated violence on you, and uh, you're putting people in jail for... Uh, uh, who've not harmed others, then you're not going to ever engender the respect that you're looking for, ever, if you continue this behavior. Yeah, well Just said. Well let said. it be known. Uh, yeah, you know, what about being a peace officer? I mean, every, America right. used to love uh, uh, Andy Griffith and Barney Fife. They were, they were peace officers. Uh, That's what we need again. Yeah. Even and, though Barney was a little wacky, you know, they were still peace officers. So um, would you say that if a uh, skateboarder damages property or um, injures somebody with their, with their skateboard, that they or their parents should be held, held liable? They should for be liable, and they should pay restitution. And, like, pain and suffering, too? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. if, I get, if I get hit in the, the shin with a uh, skateboard and it breaks whatever my leg... The, whatever I mean, the court says is appropriate. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Restitution pay restitution. Is appropriate. I agree. Don't put them the in problem a with the skateboard, skateboarder, though, is they break your leg with the skateboard, and then they're scared, and they run away. You know, I mean, y- what you're talking about is a 14-year-old boy here, not real good at well, taking that responsibility. Is a, that's a very realistic problem. You're right about that. Should you, um, if you're an armed citizen, should you be able to sh- shoot him in the back as they leave? <laughs> I'm just asking, right? Like, he, he initiated force on me, shot a skateboard out, yeah. accidentally, albeit accidentally, breaks my leg. I'm lying prone on the sidewalk. The only thing I can do as he's jumping on his skateboard to uh, get away, because I can only identify him by a red helmet, right, is uh, pull my, pull my uh, Glock <laughs> and shoot him in his back. Should I, should I be able to do that? That's certainly not going to get you your restitution. No, well, what, the parents would be responsible for restitution. 
And then they'd have to bury that that. little creep that uh, broke my leg, too. I don't think that a parent should be responsible for uh, making good on something their little brat does when he's not under their uh, direct supervision. I don't think that should be the case. Well... What you're just what you're advocating then is that parents incarcerate their children until they're 18. No, I'm not. I'm just saying they shouldn't be responsible. The kids should be responsible. Let's let kids learn responsibility by actually becoming responsible for the things that they do. And in regards that's to pulling a gun Ian. on a kid that hits you with a skateboard, I think that's a little bit out of line. A little bit out of line. I, you know, I'm just saying this is Maybe how a people, taser would be more appropriate. Uh, you, you know, you may not have a taser, may not shoot. You know, how how many different weapons do I have to carry on me <laughs> to be able to use in different circumstances? I don't know. If you're concerned about kids hitting you with skateboards, then carry a taser. Oh, I love tasers. Hey, uh, let's talk more cops, Mark. You've got a cop story. This one arrested someone for. Well, using a finger, not the one you might be thinking of, though, right? No, this is just an ordinary finger, not the middle finger. Yep, uh, I, I do love stories from uh, Bradenton and Sarasota. Our old stomping grounds. It seems that we have some of the craziest cops in the nation. Had. <clears throat> yeah. Well, what do you mean? In Bradenton, we in don't Bradenton. live there. Yes, but how would you uh, fra- form that uh, grammatically correct? Because They have some of the craziest cops. We don't have them. Eh, I can still, still consider myself to be from Bradenton. Okay, go ahead. A Bradenton man is facing assault charges after police say he pointed his finger and yelled at an off-duty um, sheriff's deputy. Two things uh, Ray Miller says you should know about him. One, he hates Muscovy ducks. <laughs> Wait, is Ray Miller the guy that was arrested? Yes. Okay. But, well, you'll find out. He says, our parking garage is littered with their feces. It's like little bombs through there. Well, no, well you're just stepping on it. And two, he's a law-abiding citizen. He's no criminal, he has no criminal record, at least until now. Miller <laughs> says it started when he and his wife saw someone feeding the ducks. They asked the woman to stop, but she ignored them. When she finally replied, Miller said she told him, I'm a police officer. I can do what I want. Oh, boy. Wow. Now, um, I, I can see... the attitude. Uh, I, I agree with um, that it's, that's a crappy attitude. Common, right? common police attitude. It, it's probably a good way to get people um, to you know, leave you alone in that particular circumstances. I can, in that particular circumstance, I can understand why she would do it, but it's sort of the underlying thought process that she must have that is sickening. I'm better than you are. I have a badge. That's the attitude. I, th- I think Ray is, is no hero in this story. Though. The guy in yeah. question who was arrested? Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll find out what he did. 800-259-9231 to the smarmy cop who believes she is above all rules. And that might actually be the case. We'll find out here in moments. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, you can take control of your airwaves. The toll-free number, 800-259-9231. Even in these remaining moments, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features for free. Enjoy those on us. If you want to help voluntarily support the show, then go and buy some stuff at amazon.freetalklive.com. They've got 41 categories for you to shop in. When you purchase through that link, you enter through that portal... Amazon.freetalklive.com, a percentage of your purchase goes to Free Talk Live. Uh, and it, it's a fairly decent percentage as well. And that percentage goes up the more items that, uh, that people order, so the more the merrier. You're going to have to do the shopping anyway. You might as well do it online. You might as well do it through Amazon.freetalklive.com. Now, Mark, let's continue this story here. It's from Bradenton, Florida, mm-hmm. our old stomping ground, uh, where... 
some sort of apartment or condominium. Uh, condominium a, complex. A condo where the, one of the uh, the gentlemen that lives in the condo is pretty upset because there's a lot of ducks apparently. Crutchy old effer. Right. Uh, well, now you know. I, I don't. I don't blame him for being upset about all the duck. I bet um, the doo-doo. ducks. I bet the ducks were there before he was. Probably. But there's apparently a lot of duck doo doo around, it, and it, uh, it, 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 he, he doesn't like it. He uh, sort of comprises this uh, Yankee that moves down to our particular <laughs> area. You know, they, they, they're they in their um, 60s. They're wealthy. Um, and they pretty much want things to go the way they want them to go. And everything should go their way, and nobody's allowed to come after them and change things. Well, They're, it, they're just very stodgy people. Well, I'm going to come to his defense so far. Now, you say mm-hmm. he gets worse, and we'll find I don't know what the story is. No, I'm just saying that he, he is a stick in the mud. Well, anyway, he doesn't want a, a bunch of duck poop around to step in. Right. And then he and there's going to be less duck poop because, uh, I mean, the ducks were there first, and I'm sure that uh, there's all kinds of people feeding them, not just this woman. The point is, when there are ducks around, and presumably there are signs to not feed the ducks, people You're aren't presuming that. It's, the story says nothing like that. People aren't supposed to feed the ducks. It's that just not that, a good that, There thing. is no indication in this story that the people are not supposed to feed the ducks. And I used to feed the ducks and have a very darn good time feeding the ducks at, um, in Bradenton at uh, Manatee Community College. So I, I'm all for people feeding ducks. The problem comes in here where the uh, police officer, her name is... Um, An off-duty officer was feeding the ducks. He approached her, asked her to stop. She said, I don't have to. I'm a cop. Right. The woman's... Uh, Kim Bennett, she says, I'm a police officer. I can do what I want. Yeah. The woman was a Manatee County Sheriff's deputy. Kim Bennett, uh, Bennett and Miller argued for a few minutes about the ducks and about whether Deputy Bennett was trespassing on the property since she didn't live in the condos. This is what kills her, right? If I lived in these condos and I found out that uh, Mr. Miller here, if he had anything to say about me feeding the ducks, I'd be out feeding the ducks every day in front of his front door. He owns everything from that front door on, mm-hmm. and I'm going to feed the ducks out there. The problem is the officer doesn't live in the condominium complex. Miller says his wife decided to call the Bradenton Police Department to ask him, uh, ask them. Now, this is a different police department. She's a sheriff. This is the police department. Got it. Ask them for a legal opinion on what they could do about the situation. But when police police arrived, Miller was in for a surprise. Deputy Bennett told uh, the police that Miller had been aggressive, and he had pointed his finger at her. Bennett Bennett pressed assault charges, and Miller was arrested and taken to jail. For pointing Pointing a finger? finger Being quote-unquote aggressive and pointing his finger at her. That's not assault. Now, um, I would say that uh, Miller had, as a resident of this uh, condominium complex, had the right to tell the deputy, who was not a resident, off-duty deputy, feeding ducks, that... She's trespassing and she needs to leave. Now, as far as I'm concerned, you need to be aggressive when you're telling somebody they're trespassing and they need to leave. Absolutely. And they're not in uniform anyway, right? Right. She was not. So this is a a perfect case of uh, cops defending cops, and and they could care less about citizens. Us versus them. Yeah. They could care less. So anyway, ABC7 spoke with an attorney about this case. Mark Lipinski um, told us, I've never seen a case like this. I don't know anybody who's uh, seen a case like this. I've asked all the attorneys in the area, and they've never heard of anything like this. Lipinski says he understands why Miller is crying crying foul. He says, next time you want to shake your fingers at somebody, you better think twice. Miller thinks the whole thing is absurd, and he will be um, arraigned uh, May the 29th. Now, it's funny to me, Mark Lipinski, very very powerful attorney in Bradenton, it's funny that he doesn't have the guts to stand up and say, this is the sickest thing I've ever seen, and these cops are way out of bounds. Why do you think that is, Mark? Because apparently Lipinski doesn't have a spine. 
He Why? probably intends to run for uh, a county attorney or something in the very near future, as most powerful attorneys have a tendency to Politicians. do. That, that, could, that could be the case. And I've also sort of gotten the feeling, no one's ever explicitly said this, but I had an old friend who was down in the, that same region who had gotten pulled over at 2 in the morning and had his car shaken down by the cops. They tore up his carpet. Uh, the dog scratched up his paint job when it was sniffing around the car. They didn't find anything. But they certainly wasted a significant amount of his time that morning. And he decided he wanted to pursue some sort of action against the police department for, you know, harassment or uh, unlawful search or, or whatever. And as he sort of shopped the idea around to, to different lawyers in the area... He was rebuffed by every single one of them. And you think, the guy took photos of the damage that was done. It was, you know, part of the official record that he was pulled over and searched. You'd think that there would be some sort of level of a case there. But none of the attorneys wanted to take that case. They don't want to challenge the system that's their bread and butter. Mm. They are not interested in doing it. Maybe it's something as light as that. Maybe it's something a little bit more sinister where they understand that if they go after the cops, specifically, as opposed to just defending somebody that's been charged, that's sort of their job. But if they go after the cops, then maybe they're concerned that the cops might come after them. Maybe they're concerned that they might have their daughter, teenage daughter, targeted by the police. Well, Maybe. it's likely there'll be some kind of retribution. Uh, these these people work closely with each other, and right. it, it, from what I can see, and, and, and this article bears it out, cops think they're a big gang. That They are a big gang. You know, if, if, you, if you mess with one of ours, even if they're way the hell out of line or even a little bit out of line, you're in trouble. This guy was on his own property telling somebody who was not on the property to get off. I mean, right, he didn't property. shove the cop. He pointed at her and right. said, go get away. Off. Get off. Get out of here. How anyone could take the police's side on this, I don't understand. If you can, make the call. 800-259-9231. We've got to go to the phones. Ladies first, it's Barbara in California. You're on Free Talk Live, Barbara. Uh, hello. Hi. Hi. What's on your I mind? I didn't expect this. The reason that I was calling was I heard about the skateboarders and I heard someone saying that he couldn't understand why parents should pay for what their kids do wrong. Yeah. It, in the state of California, it's the law. Um, yeah, it's an awful, awful law, in my opinion. What did you well, think? Well, there about? are worse. And I, I suppose I, uh, I spoke to the guy who, I guess, screamed me. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I told him about the fact that I had to pay a $50 fine, and it's a criminal fine, for the fact that my daughter was um, caught with a cigarette. And she's 17, uh, which is completely inconsistent with any kind of law that I understand. Right. And How I does that with- teach your daughter to be responsible? How does that teach her to be responsible for her actions? It doesn't. It says she can go out and break the law, and mom gets to pay for it. Absolutely. And I was not the only mother there um, putting out the money. There was, there was a whole bunch of them, you know, just paying the, the $50. Yeah, and I guess I, somebody could make the argument that, well, mom can crack down at home and make her daughter pay her. But still, if you've got a recalcitrant uh, child that isn't interested in doing anything like that, you're never going to get any money out of them. And then it's just, you know, your life at home is a living hell. And, I mean, it's just it just takes responsibility out of well, the hands of the kids. it's one thing to hold a parent responsible for damage that their, their child does somewhere, which I'm not sure that I'm against that. But um, it's something entirely different to charge a parent for their child smoking, which doesn't hurt anyone and doesn't hurt anyone's property at all. But it's it is 
same, the same it's principle. the same principle that the child is not responsible for his or her actions, and the child absolutely should be responsible. If he br- if he breaks a window with his baseball during the day playing out in the field, he should have to labor in that man's yard or what whoever. What if he's playing with matches and burns down uh, a, a large building that's worth a million what, dollars? Kid, you've got a, quite a debt on your hands as a, as a 14-year-old. You should be careful. Barbara, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Short on time, but just enough for Jamie Told You So in Kentucky. You're on Free Talk Live, Jamie. Yeah, I'm calling about the Chris Van Wall story. Do tell. Well, it's, uh, you know, people think different opinions about things, you know, and I'm not the, probably not the only one out there, you know, because of his, he's got other fans than me, you know. Now, you're a Chris Benoit fan. Now, Chris Benoit, re- world wrestling entertainment superstar, found dead earlier this week. Uh, how do you feel about it, Jamie? Well, um, it just, uh, it's a shock, and his whole family is dead now, but it got me thinking. Yeah. Why do they, uh, you know, uh, the cops, like you're talking about the cops right now, they just say anything and they're for, you know, they could cover up. It could be a cover up. Mm-hmm. What, is you th- what do you think? What is your theory? Who did what? Well, I wasn't there. You wasn't there. They was uh, they was the only one there, and I don't believe a cop for a second. N- neither one. So you Even think it might Myers. be uh, you think it might be the Macho Man? Uh, no, Ultimate no, that's talk sensible now. <laughs> <laughs> but guess what? Uh, uh, yes, Vince McMahon. Are, are y'all coming back after a no, break? No, we're I'm not. You've we're got not. like ten seconds, Jamie. Get it out. Well, I'll, I'll talk about it tomorrow night. All right. It's about McMahon. It's, it's all about it. McMahon. All right, I want to hear... I thought I, he was dead. I thought he blew up in the limo. I want to hear Jamie's conspiracy theory. I hope he calls tomorrow night. Is Vinny in here with you? <laughs> and Wayne. And Mark, the WHO See is you online. The in the meantime, freetalklive.com. Good night. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 